Bugger, I am so late. Jesus. I'm going to Wichita. Oh, it's already open. Somebody must be here already. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Oh, I'm loving the enthusiasm. Oh wow, who brought the giant retro tape recorder? Oh, he looks uh, looks awfully familiar. Hang on, I know who that is. That's Soundwave from the Decepticons. Okay guys, we talk. The noises. Wait, is that a fiddle? You others be quiet. That actually might fit in with uh, this week's theme. Shush, quiet down. Let's see what you got there, Soundwave. Ah, oh, nice. Do you mind if I flow over the top? Join me as I say hello. Now grab your partner, Dosey Go. Vinyl Countdown is our thing. Take your partner, weave the ring. We've got Smarty and a guest. Now circle right, then circle left. Join us on this little ride and swing your partner side to side. We've got ten songs here for you. Lift your arms and girls pass through. So now we must get on our way. Ladies in and gents sachet. Ladies curtsy, gents please bow. Play the music. Bump, bump, pow. Well done, great. See you next month. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well done. See ya. My God, what the actual F. Let's get this started. That's right. Here we come again with it's the final countdown. Darn tootin' awesome to have you with us, but we have to have this talk with you about the rules. What the hell? What in tarnations? Someone just threw a lasso around me. Thanks, stranger, but I'll take it from here. Gosh darn it, G Willikers. That's right. Welcome to Ladies' Night, where we are serving up some sisterhood with a dash of country. But as my denim-cladded Akubra-wearing friend was saying, we have rules. Number one, we pick an artist. Number two, we each select our ten prettiest songs from that artist. And then we hogtie all the songs into one hell of a posse of ditties for your listening pleasure. <laughs> so pour yourself a cup of ambition and sail away with us to another place that is It's the Vinyl Countdown. As mentioned, I have hijacked Jamie and I am running the show, particularly in light of the fact that we have got one of the most iconic, well-known female artists of our time. I will introduce her because she's far too important to not talk about right from the get-go. So this week, 
our podcast is none other than the one and only Dolly Parton. Yeehaw! (laughs) (laughs) And to help me uh, with my solo hosting uh, this week, uh, I've actually allowed Jamie to be a part of it. He's still actually tied up right now, but I have allowed him to speak as long as he doesn't put up any fight. Um. <laughs> so let me introduce to you our our usual host, who is our guest today, Mr. Jamie Clayton. Uh, welcome and must shout out to your beautiful locks. And <laughs> <laughs> you're looking very much like uh, the love child of Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton. Thank you, Nikki. It um, took my hosting duties off me kicking and screaming, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm controlling myself at the moment. Um, and you guys said I could be part of the girl, ladies' night as long as I tucked it between my legs, which I've uh, <laughs> abided by. So yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the time that would have gone into that particular um, activity. So <laughs> appreciate you saying that. <laughs> And we also have a new guest uh, on the panel tonight. And uh, given that we are doing a uh, a fantastic, well-known female artist, we've got a fantastic, well-known female podcaster, first time in Kylie Clayton, who happens to be Jamie's sister. Welcome to the podcast, Kylie. Yes, my name's Kylie, long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) Um, Smarty, I, I know it's hard for you to uh, talk about, but we have had uh, some bad news that we do have to report. Um, Shall you hit it with them or shall I? You're the boss this week. (laughs) Tell the world. Well, Danny can't make the podcast tonight, unfortunately. Uh, We've been advised that he has an unconfirmed case of Delta. Oh. Oh, dear. There have been sightings, however, of Danny through the window at his house, on top of a piano, swaying with a cigarette lighter in hand, listening to Born to Try. Does that sound right? Not again. That strain. (laughs) That strain. (laughs) I thought we had this under control. (laughs) I thought he was fully vaccinated, but that just just says otherwise. Anyone within a kilometre radius of Danny's house should go straight into lockdown now. (laughs) I think he's been going to other people's houses and listening to Delta with them. (laughs) (laughs) Tier one and two two sites in in Wangaratta. Keep an eye out for that, guys. Okay, Kylie, welcome. Thanks for joining the podcast this afternoon. Now, we need to start with some qualifying questions for you that we ask everyone who comes along and and joins in. So the first question that I want to know about you is what was your first band t-shirt? My first band t-shirt is a bit of a cloudy memory, but I'm sure I recall uh, it was either my 11th or 12th birthday. I rocked up to some to a girlfriend's house and that all, you know, chipped in five bucks each and bought me a present and I unwrapped it and it was Prince, uh, the Diamonds and Pearls edition T-shirt. Oh. The main reason I remember that is because my best friend rocked up before they handed it over and I think she'd gotten me something separate and didn't know what they'd gotten me. 
and she rocked up wearing a Prince Diamonds and Pearls T-shirt, <laughs> the exact one they'd bought me, and they had to pull her aside into the room and have a chat to her about what she'd done and she didn't come out in her bra or anything. They let her keep her T-shirt on, but <laughs> Matching. That, a, that would have been about 30 That's years ago, but frightening. There's so many of those, so many people in the same print shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty big back then. I agree. I agree. I, know, I think I know the picture you're talking about too. Yeah, yeah. Was it a black, black shirt? Yeah. 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 I used to wear it with jeans. The jeans were one leg was black, the other leg was green. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were cool back then. Yeah. I think I had something similar in a um, – I had a jacket and all the panels were different colours. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely the time. Um, Place for it. Definitely. Um, do you still own that T-shirt? No. No, God, no. Would you wear it still to this day? Yeah, I reckon I would. Prince certainly yeah. made a comeback and, you know, when he died I probably could have got some money for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Prince too, so I'd, I'd be with you on that one with the yeah. um, shirt wearing. Um, another question for you. Can you name a song that makes you cry or that you cry to when you hear it? I could probably name more than I'd like to mention um but the main one that comes to mind probably the first one ever that you know I cried to it was in a movie probably the best movie of all time called La Bamba oh agree and yeah not many people know would know this song I, I didn't even know it was actually a song I thought it was music they played you know when Richie dies sorry for the spoiler alert um the plane crashes and they all die in case you haven't oh, watched Richie. <laughs> Not my Richie. No. That's the scene. The, there's a scene where the mother's hanging the washing on the line out the back and the radio's playing and, you know, we interrupt this song and bad brother Bob's running over just as she hears it, you know, she throws the washing up in the air. She's like, Not my Richie. And then this music starts and it's a song called Sleepwalk by Johnny and Santo. Yes. The guitar, like that really sad guitar riff. And as soon as it starts, like my heart just breaks. Yeah. And I didn't know it was a song until years and years later, I was walking through a supermarket and I had like my shopping um, basket in my arm and the song come on and I just stopped it. I nearly threw the basket up in the air and said, <laughs> no, my Richie. I was like, why are they doing this? Why are they playing this? Why are they doing this to me? I was crying in the supermarket and yeah, found out it was an actual song and I've got it on my list now and often listen to it when I feel like having a good cry. Yeah. I'll put that song up on our Facebook page. It's a, it's yeah. a really cool song. Yeah, yeah, I often hear it in, I've heard it in other flashback scenes in movies too, like when they go back to the 60s. Ah. And like often, I think mafia movies and things like that, they sometimes play that song. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard uh, it. No, I wouldn't say I've heard it in anything else. I, for years, I thought it was specifically because I watched the movie so many times, I just thought it was from that scene. So it was quite surreal when I was walking through the supermarket and that. That song that gets me every time, come on. But, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful song. I can't think of it, but I know exactly the scene that you're talking about. Yeah. So, no words, yeah. Um, it's got no vocals, just guitar riffs. And um, it's got that real... It's, it's almost like the guitar is singing the sad song. Mm. Yeah. When you hear it, you'll probably think, oh, you'll probably start crying and say... No, no, <laughs> Are you okay, Kylie, hearing that again? I'm a little bit emotional. <laughs> I got a little fucklump. 
talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't cry. I just wasn't expecting him to play it. <laughs> okay, to bring you back out of that uh, that sadness, to bring up that emotional moment. Last question to see if you are qualified to continue on on this journey with us. Can you tell us about a concert experience that would be a highlight to you? Yes, I thought I'd go with, I've probably had a, a couple here and there, nothing too outlandish or crazy, but just a few, you know, you see a few funny things when you go to mass crowds like that. Um, and this is a bit of maybe a hint of what's to come or who's to come. Oh, I guess we've already told who's, who's coming yes, on. Um, keeping with the country western theme, I went to Kenny Rogers. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was about eight years ago, so maybe around the 2012 mark. And it was just a bit uh, a bit of a strange one, I guess. Like at first when we were looking for the venue, it was in Melbourne CBD. We got off the train station. I wasn't too sure where it was, started walking in the direction and suddenly realised there was just like this throng of white hair walking in one direction. And I was like, I think we might be going the right way. We'll just follow this crowd. So we got there and there was just a lot of very, very old people um, where our seats were all the like walkways were lined with wheelchairs. <laughs> I, said, I said to the lady, because we were a bit further up the back, I'm like, if you want me to let your brakes off, you'll get better seats. But <laughs> probably the most entertaining part was, um, I think it was at the start when we were at the bar and I was standing behind these two absolute cowboys straight off the ranch. They had the full RM Williams outfit, you know, the big hats, the big buckles, the flannel shirts and they are standing behind them and they're at the bar ordering and there was like a cosmopolitan machine. And the guy, like, you know, he had that full country twang and he's like, oh, what's this, love? She's like, oh, they, they, it's a cosmopolitan, you know, cocktail. And he's like, oh, I better get us a couple of those then. <laughs> so <laughs> she gave him two instead, you know, you'd think they'd go the beers. And him and his mate stand at the bar, taking a little sip and his eyebrows had just about raised off his forehead. And he's turned to his mate and he's like, oh, That'll put the giddy up in your bridges. These blokes are going home to their hotel room to watch Breakback Mountain after this, having a very romantic getaway. How, how long does Kenny play when he's up on stage? Is he a yeah, while? And yeah. um, the thing that surprised me was I thought he'll have the full charade behind, like all the singers will do his high notes because he was in his seventies then. Mm. Um, he had nothing. He just had like a band and he sang, didn't it really like he might've had one backing vocal, but he did all the singing. He kind of had to clutch his ribs a bit when he was going for the high notes, but he still got them out there. <laughs> he sounded he, quite good. Did he still wear a chocolate suit? <laughs> nah, he had like a denim shirt. I don't recall his chocolate suit. Is that from The Gambler actually? Well, from the seventies where he wore like those yellow aviators with a big chocolate suit. Nah, I remember, um, remember him more as a There was a bit more, there was a bit more pepper in the salt those days around the beard. Yeah. So, um, um, and, yeah, he used to have the white tuxedo, I think, sort of look, like in, in, in the, the country look, yeah, with the things dangling off. But, no, nah, this one I'm sure, yeah, it was pretty dressed down actually. But, um, yeah, no, he, he was impressive. Did he play Lady? There you go. He did play Lady. He gave okay. a good story to Lady as well. Do you know I who wrote Lady for him? Lady. Uh, Lionel Richie wrote Lady. 
Yes, and they're best friends. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he said, it's not for me. I reckon he gave it to Kenny. Kenny just swooped on it. And then, nah. no. Well, that's not how Kenny tells it. <laughs> oh, this is my own theory. I've made up. Okay, go for it. <laughs> and that, that part of the concert when all the, all the cowboys go to the bar, he'll, he'll suss it out around the room and that's when he'll sing Lady and make about 400 women swoon at once. <laughs> Yeah, the women certainly did outnumber the men. Now, he actually told the story behind the song. He said that um, Lionel Richie was a great, you know, songwriter at the time and he was trying to sort of get to a new audience or something like that, but he approached Lionel and said, would you you write a song for me? And Lionel's like, yeah, definitely, you know, bring that Kenny's country. He felt like, you know, be a new sound, like, you know, they dip into pop a little bit. Um, And he said, like, Lionel was working on it for quite a while and was really talking it up to Kenny, like, I've got this great song for you. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a huge hit. And after, like, you know, so many weeks, Kenny, like, you know, caught up with me. He's like, Lionel, where's, where's this song you keep telling me about? Like, you know, what, what can I hear it at least? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's going to hear. I'll play what I've got so far. And Kenny sits down in anticipation and Lionel sings, Lady. And that was all he had. <laughs> he's like, so what do you think of that? And he's like, that's it. That's all you've got. Like, it took him six weeks to write one word. But, yeah, he comes here with the goods in the end. It sounds like me at school. Quickie um, songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm onto something here. <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, I think that's uh, three out of three with um, jumping on board for the podcast for you, Kylie. Welcome oh, aboard. Go see yeah. to the next stage. Uh, can I just ask one thing? Because I know Danny would want to ask it um, for his charts. Um, did you have a bad CD single? Just so we we know where that'll slot in. With uh, ah. I think we've still got Ben Darcy on the top with um, Dr. Jones. Did you have one of them prepared for us? Oh, I'd like to say I had reasonably good music taste. <laughs> you might be, you might beg to differ. It says you who still sings to set in the car with my kids <laughs> listening in the back. Nothing? Uh, well, I I got into um, Salt and Pepper. That was like my first, one of my first. Uh, no, actually, I was a very, something. very big fan of the Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I still remember the day Jamie come running into my room with a huge smile on his face telling me, Millie Vanilli aren't even real. She was carrying a washing basket of clothing. She threw it up in the air. <laughs> Not my Millie <laughs> Vanilli. Let me know. <laughs> my dreams. The Mimers. <clears throat> the most famous Mimers uh, of, of our generation anyway, aren't they? Oh, I blame it on the rain. That was. <laughs> um, so we'll have to lock. We won't be able to do it this week because Danny does the charts. But if you had to lock in one Millie Vanilli song, was it Blame It On The Rain? or? Um... What else was it? Uh, don't don't forget my number. Is that, was ba, that ba, 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 ba. Um, There was one I had in my head the other night that I seen. I was like, that was it, actually a good. Is it um, that one? Uh, it's a tragedy to see the it's dream. It's a tragedy. Over. Yeah. Girl, I never will forget the day we met. Girl, I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, that was the one. I'm like, shit, I love that song. <laughs> He's lost. I still do. A I've got. Bit. I, I'm trying to go back there. All I've got is blame it on the rain. Uh, <laughs> Trads, I can't yeah. get out, can't get past that one. We, we, we won't do a uh, vinyl countdown on Millie Vanilli then anytime soon. <laughs> that was my request on the one a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> they had two, come on. Uh, 
blame it on the rain and baby. Blame it on the rain. We'll see how Danny feels about that. Yeah, yeah. Where are they now? What 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 are Millie Vanilli doing these oh, days? Oh God, I did read something about them a while Which back. Ones? The, ones, no that, the ones that um were pretending to sing. Well, the ones that we thought had the talent. No reunion tours for them. <laughs> they sound exactly the same. They should go on lip sync battle. <laughs> the voices are terrible these days. <laughs> Okay, so as we mentioned, we've got Dolly Parton this week and um, our, I wanted to talk about cover songs and songs that have either been covered by others and done better than the original or the other way around and then ones that did not make the mark whatsoever. Um, Dolly Parton herself wrote um, one of the most well-known songs in I Will Always Love You in the 70s. And um, she knew immediately that she had written a great song that was being covered by lots of people, but most famously probably since then was by Whitney Houston. Um, And she makes jokes um, about that to this day, saying that uh, Whitney bought houses that she owns and (laughs) because of the royalties that she got from doing that song. So I wanted to ask um, both Jamie and Kylie um, some covers that they may know of or that they, that they, you know, really impress them and and ones that perhaps not as much. Have you guys got anything that you want to talk about in terms of cover songs? Jamie? Sure do, yes. You're nodding Um, emphatically. yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention four. I'll just say two really quickly, and but then I'll tell you my favourite two. Um, one of the ones that I thought to, of, it, it always gets me, is Johnny Cash doing uh, Nine Inch Nails, Her. I knew that would be your number one. That That is a sensational song, sensational film clip. It's just got, that one has got all the feels. But um, it's also yeah. like it was written for him, though, like yeah. it's his life story. And yeah. um that that film clip showing clips of June Carter and all that just flashing his whole life up. It's really, really grabs you. Um, and his yeah. weathered face, you yes. know, it's just like, and it wasn't long before he, he actually did pass away, but um, he's yeah. end yeah. of the life for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, his face told the story of someone who was well-travelled, didn't he? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, another one I wanted to mention is the cover is by Jose Gonzalez. The song is by The Knife and it's called Heartbeats. Um, you may not know by its title, but I bet you if I played it for you, you would know. Quite a um, techno-y sounding original and mm-hmm. he just broken it down with a guitar beautifully. And uh, both both acts are from Sweden, which was pretty cool, I thought. I didn't um, know Jose Gonzalez. really like The Knife version, but love the Jose Gonzalez version of it. Um, the next one I wanted to mention was Something for Kate particularly Paul Dempsey covering Mark Ronson's. Um, they did this on the Like A Version on Triple J and it's Sweet Nothings, if you've ever heard of it. Uh, I'm living on such sweet nothing. Oh, my God. He's, it looked like his head's going to explode like the guy from Game of Thrones. He is singing that hard. He's got a thousand veins coming out of his neck. It's just raw. It's, and you know what his voice is like. It sounds like mine. Uh, amazing voice. A bit raspy. So it, it's just a crack and, and he puts everything into it. That's what I love about that. Uh, but my favourite, and this is probably the least well-known one, but one I love, it's um, a Flaming Lips song. They did the original. And the song is called Waiting on Superman. And the person that covered it was Iron and Wine. Uh, the reason I love this is the song content is, is beautiful. Um, 
it's I'll, I'll tell you the last uh, sort of chorus of it. it says tell everybody waiting for Superman that they should try to hold on as best they can he hasn't dropped them forgot them or anything sometimes it's too heavy for Superman to lift and um, so they sing it in their nice little flaming kooky flaming lips way but the song is about someone who's um, having to who can't hold up a weight like weights bearing down on him you, you, there's no more he can do he, um, everyone's got their limitations that type mm. of thing the way iron and wine sings it, it he's just so monotone and it just sounds defeated the way he's singing it and it really matches the subject matter of the song and it's just um you might some people might find it boring but i just find it it pairs up so well and that's why that's my favorite cover I was going to say we'll have to put them up on the um, web page as well if we can. We say that every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah I, will, I will plan to do that. But, um, Adding to the list of things to do for you. Yeah, let's hear your, um, the ones that, that don't make the cut for I you that have, you're not impressed uh, by. I only have one bad one and I just wanted to put it there. I hate, hate, hate Madonna's version of American Pie. I hate <laughs> that she did it. I hate that they put it on our screens. I hate that. Anyone had to view it. I, I see it as like um, someone throwing black paint on the Mona Lisa. Like, oh, I just think it's disgusting and just a money grab and it just makes me sick. That's what I have to say about that. That's what I agree. I had it on my list as well. I yeah. cannot bear it. Yeah, I think it's, especially when she released it, it wasn't as if she was trying to break through. She didn't need to do it. She doesn't even put any effort into it. Like it's just yeah, oh, it's, it's awful. Yeah, pissed all over the song. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, what have you got? What have you um, got on your list? I kind of delved into a little bit about what makes you know a good cover version. Uh, my pet hate, and I, I really can't think of any. I know as soon as we finish, I'll think of a hundred. But my biggest pet hate for a cover song is when they take a good song and do the exact same thing with it and it sounds the same. It's like, well, why even bother? Do you think you sound better than the original? Like no originality. Um, that's my biggest pet hate. Um, and then with the ones that I like or the ones that, you know, you sometimes a cover song is bigger than its original song. Um, I would say one of the most popular for that was probably Hallelujah. Mm. Um, covered by so many different artists. A lot of people don't actually know the original singer or the original version by Leonard Cohen. Mm. Um, but I would have to say the Jeff Buckley is my favourite. Love what he took and did with that song. I think, yeah. I think when you've got those, like, you've got to say, yes, Jeff Buckley has done it better, but you've still got to pay homage, I think, to Leonard Cohen. Because the, it's such a wonderful song. song. It's his song. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a great. And he does do a good, when you go back and listen to it, he does do a good version of it. Um, some popular ones, Man Who Sold the World, uh, I think Nirvana sort of took that and ran with it a bit. But then you go back, like, uh, that wasn't actually a song I'd heard before. But then when you go back, it's like, oh, Dave Bowie, you know, was of course, he did it brilliantly. I just hadn't heard that song. Be, like, mm. I, at the time, I just was listening to Nirvana before I was listening to Bowie. Um, Landslide by... Fleetwood Mac, I sort of heard that, unfortunately, through the Dixie Chicks first and I think <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins did a version. Mm. Um, and one that I heard, I heard this in a really good story, actually. I think I was reading the Guns N' Roses book, biography, and there's an anecdote from Paul McCartney saying that when his kids, Stella and his son, I'm not sure his son's name, went to a Guns N' Roses concert, 
they were teenagers. It was at Wembley Stadium, you know, the massive sold out. And, um, you know, Guns N' Roses were cool to his teenage kids. The Beatles weren't cool at all. Like, you know, Dad, your bad's old. And he picked them up that night. You know, I'm sure the limo pulled up out the front and asked his kids, you know, how was it? What was good? You know, what's your favourite song? And his daughter's gone, oh, they've got this great song called Live and Let Die. He's like, I wrote that song. What are you talking about? You did not, Dad. So, yeah, the Guns N' Roses had this awesome song that she was telling him about. So I thought that was a brilliant story. Gosh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And you would. To have a a dad that'd be like, I wrote that, you'd be like, oh, whatever. Like, just get sick of it. Of course, you wrote that. And as a dad, you'd be, what do you have to do to impress your kids? (laughs) (laughs) As a Beatle, yeah. Yeah. Um, One that I have always loved that no one, I'm sure, has even heard the second version. They would very well know the original Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. I don't know how I come across it, but there's a version by the Travis who, you know, sang uh, Driftwood and... Scottish and, band, oh, Why Does It Always Rain On Me? Yeah. yeah. And it's you wouldn't even recognise it, the song. And for the first time you listen and you hear the lyrics and they sing it in like this really slow, almost acoustic, heartbreaking version. And for the first time I listened, for the first time I ever thought, shit, that's actually a really good song. I would never have thought it listening to the, like, you know, you just don't hear the lyrics or the way she sings mm. it, but I love that song. I don't think you can get that one on Spotify. It might be hard to find these days, that one. Yeah. Mm. It's been a while since I've listened to it, actually. Might be actually, on YouTube. you just saying that reminded me of one that I've been looking for on Spotify for ages. It's the Vines covering um, Miss Jackson. That, oh. And I've looked for that everywhere and I can't find it anymore. Yeah. Sometimes you can get some unusual ones like that, like the White Stripes covering Jolene is very mm-hmm. unusual, but it just works. Mm. Yeah. And one where you can't beat the original, like Buying a Stairway to Heaven. Um, they say that's one of the most covered songs of all time. I couldn't name any other band that's covered it. Like I only know the original, like no one I think could ever compare. Like mm. they need not bother. Mm. No comparison to it. Um just on um, that, with you're saying that's the song. Um, I looked up an artist, the artist that has been the most covered, um, and not surprisingly, it came up with the Beatles. So, of all of their collection of songs, they they have been covered by many people over the years, um, in different forms. A um, couple of others that I was just going to point out too that I had. Um, written down and I should also mention actually with um, the Beatles being the most covered artist I think Prince is also important to note of someone who has given um, songs to others for them to cover and then he's also covered people um, like um, um, Joni Mitchell. I've got to I've got to mention and this is just a a personal uh, amused one for me. Um, so back on Prince, Prince wrote a song um, called Darling Nikki <laughs> and the Foo Fighters covered it. And so that's one that uh, it's it's quite an, um, a typical Prince song, I guess you'd say, <laughs> the way that he's written it and the lyrics. Um, a little bit of me time there. <laughs> Prince wrote it. I, I didn't, uh, but I, yeah, I remember finding that when I was, you know, early teens and going, oh my God, Prince has written a song that's got my name in the title, and then hearing the lyrics going, oh my God. 
<laughs> and then ironically in ladies Foo Fighters. So that was a, a bit of a, um, a kick. Um, another one that's an older song, but um, I Can Tina Turner um, covered Proud Mary, which was originally a Credence Clearwater revival song. And both songs are awesome. I never knew which one actually come first. Yeah, and I assumed it was the I Can Tina first because I just thought they were older than Credence. There you go. Yeah, they were all about the same time. Um, but it's not often that you sort of hear, because they're completely different the way they've done that mm. same song um, and they're both great. It's not often that, you know, that you have that with them. It's, you know, tends to be one's a preference to the other. You know, I'm a diehard fan of this, so the original's always going to be my favourite. Or, like you uh, mentioned, Kylie, with Nirvana, our age group first hearing Nirvana and then maybe finding Bowie later and, and then going, oh, hang on a minute, didn't know that. Mm. He goes all right at his own song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had heaps more listed, but um, I just wanted the other shout-out I was going to give was um, we mentioned Madonna, American Pie, Horrendous. Another one that I really, really don't like, and this might um, not be a popular thing to say, but um, Metallica doing Whiskey in the Jar, I just... <sighs> Cannot bear oh, it. You might really? break Jamie's heart there. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I like find Ralph, that terrible. I was like Ralph Wiggum there. You could see the part where my heart broke. Is <laughs> <laughs> this so a sorry. dagger I see before me? In saying that, Nikki, um, yeah. I do love the Thin Lizzy version of that song as well, though. I think it's amazing. And also the old Irish version of it I do like as well. Yeah, also different, um, different takes. And Dolly and Whitney are right up there with... Um, in that mix, both great versions. Dolly, obviously, more country, and and then Whitney was the big, you know, um, ballad of the the nineties. So, yeah. Okay, Jamie, if you could uh, give us a bit of history about um, Dolly Parton for people who may not know um, that much about her, what have you got? What can you tell us? Oh, Nikki, I'm a little nervous as my first boy, eh? So, um, Are you of course. I I kept this really, really short because how do you, where do you start and stop over 70 years of, uh, of music? Like, um, so I just thought I'd point out a, a few of the interesting, more interesting parts of Dolly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's got a couple. <laughs> yeah. I'll try, I'll try not to be noticed. Which I point out. Um, Dolly Rebecca Parton <laughs> um, was born in 1946 in Tennessee, she was the fourth child of 12. Dolly credits her music abilities to her mother. She said that uh, her mother would often sing ballads and as a way to entertain such a large family. And also her church was one of something that inspired her as well. Parton described her family as absolutely dirt poor. Um, this is outlined in a lot of her songs. But her uncle was able to buy her a guitar at the age of eight or give her a guitar. I'm not sure if he bought it or not. Um, Parton began performing on local TV and radio. Um, after receiving guitar at eight, she was already on TV at the age of 10. Um, and she had met Johnny Cash by the age of 13 at one of his performances. Um, she moved to Nashville the day after she finished high school and she began to write and perform backup vocals on some big-name artists' albums. A lot of the time she wasn't credited for those, so she's probably had a lot to do with a lot of songs that we don't even know about. 
She finally hit the charts herself in 1966. Uh, if you listen to Dolly speak, I think there's um, one word for her, and that's um, just confidence. Um, anyone that speaks about her, and even herself, um, she's not intimidated by anyone, anyone high, anyone low, man, woman. She will not be intimidated. She says there's no point. Um, and one of the best quotes I heard about Dolly was from Jane Fonda, who worked alongside her in 9 to 5, when she said, you underestimate Dolly Parton at your own peril. She's too smart. Uh, also, in 1966, Dolly Parton married Carl Dean, to who she is still married to now. Uh, she was advised not to do this by her producers, but uh, Dolly does what Dolly wants to do, and she was able to keep uh, that side of her life private and functional. Um, in 1967, she joined the Porter Wagner Show, which absolutely launched her in the country music scene. Um, well, initially, she had, didn't have great success, but in... Um, Sort of in the early 70s, she started to string a few hits together. And then by the mid-70s, uh, she was a household name. Uh, in the 70s, Dolly embarked on a campaign, I think this is the late 70s, to uh, appeal to a more mainstream market, which was uh, extremely successful. And by the late 80s, Dolly Parton was uh, pretty much known worldwide. Whether you knew her music or not, you still knew the name Dolly Parton for one reason or another. Uh, from the 90s until now, Dolly continues to record music, record albums. Um, she works with artists old and young still. And one year ago, Dolly was still releasing her albums. Her last one was called uh, A Holly Dolly Christmas, and that's available in all good music stores. Some of her achievements, uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame. There is an algae, which is a form, well, most people know what an algae is, um, in the alopecia I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct. That's sort of around the Carolina, those mountains there. That is named after Dolly, um, so because that's from her area, and she's in the Grammy Hall of Fame several times over. Um, that's all I had um, for the Dolly buyer. She is um, even the sort of info I've been looking at with Dolly. She is an amazing lady. Yeah, she yeah. is really intelligent and. Um, you know, coming from the background that she had that, you know, they grew up in a house, I think it had one or two rooms and they all shared a bed. Um, you know, I've, I've seen interviews that she's done and she says that, you know, they'd all sleep in the bed together and because there were all age kids in the bed, often, you know, one of the little kids would wet the bed and they'd all be in this wet bed and just have to stay in it because that's the bed for all of everybody. Um, mm. So to come from such humble beginnings and just become such a clever businesswoman you know she's a songwriter um obviously an artist um she's gone on to have like to do movies she's got um dollywood she's got like a um a library that she's set up i think it's called imagination library and it's sent and they send um free books to underprivileged kids like she's just yeah she's got she writes cookbooks she is. She's a singer, songwriter, musician, actress, author, businesswoman. That many yeah. people could have, you know, that many hats to their name. And it's actually her her upbringing. Well, that's where she got most of her songs from. But she has said that, you know, being the fourth of 12 children, mm. the only way to get attention was, you know, you were either in trouble or you were sick. Once she yeah. started singing and playing guitar, she started getting attention from her family, you know, from visitors so from a young age, she started doing that for attention and that was something 
that never change like that's and her looks and everything that's her way of getting the attention you know that you, she didn't get as a child so it's, it is her upbringing that you know really formed who she is yeah even um reading about her and her look and she's very um is it self-deprecating of you know she she's always the first one to make a joke about her how she her appearance is yeah but you know talks about when she was a kid and um there was a lady in town who who dressed that way and everyone assumed that she was the town tramp but dolly thought she just looked beautiful um that you know she was um dressing that in that way and I guess coming from um the background that she's had that you know they were really poor it would have been hand-me-downs all the time and there would have been hand washing things just wouldn't have been I can you can see why she's gone from you know that um extreme to another of going from you know really poor to you know all out mm. and um and being the really intelligent lady that she is, like it's it was really clever even in the 60s when she was breaking through to, you know, it was still such a, you know, male-dominated industry. Um, and she was clever to dress that way to get the attention of everyone going, have you seen this girl? You know, she's this blonde bombshell with, you know, this figure and and then, oh, and she can sing. So it was really very smart by her to do that yeah I've seen people ask her about it doesn't she get sick of all the attention from men because uh, and she said I've been dealing with men since I was a child I, I'm 12 like I think she had a lot of brothers a lot of un uncles a lot of uncles she goes, I, if there's one thing I know how to deal with it's men like, yeah that, like and yeah she yeah. used to like play she said like she played in the honky tonks you know full of rednecks from a very young age mm. and she learned how to handle herself but the way that she goes about it, like she doesn't have a bad attitude. She doesn't begrudge anyone the way no. they treated her. But even I've heard her talk about the town tramp, but the fact that she can even own that and come out and say, I wanted to look like the town tramp. I thought the town tramp was attractive. Is like, what can you say to like, you can't give a shit. Like it almost stops you in your tracks. Uh, like, and I've seen her do that to Barbara Walters. Like she had nothing left to say because Dolly put it all out there and was honest and, this is who I am and if you don't like it, then that's your problem. Yeah, and I like how I look and not put your own – I saw that interview too with Barbara and I, I thought it was poor from her, like saying, you yeah. don't have to look like this in such a condescending way. Yeah, don't you? And she was like, no, like I want to. And that's, I think, where she keeps her humour and grace. Like even to this day, you know, she's in her 70s. You've never seen an interview where she storms off or, you know, loses her cool over yeah. a question or being taken the wrong way. She does it with such, yeah, um, yeah humour and grace. And that just shows how smart she is because she knows that people, if they're asking her about that, they're not getting it. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah. she's not going along with anyone else's agenda. That's, she's she's herself. Don't try and yeah. like. Um, I think someone said, um, "Where do you stand on liberation?" She goes, "Well, I, I burnt my bra, but it took the fire department three days to put it out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's. Yeah. I just the more that I, you know, sort of looking at the research for the show, the more I read about. I've just I've come away just thinking she's really amazing. You have more um, respect for her. Not that I didn't before, but I'm not a country music person but having said that I love Jolene um and if, like the others that we'll go through um in the top 10 um 
some of the songs I'd never heard and heard it when we were doing our our top 10 and was like, oh, my God, this song's fantastic. And then watching her singing it live, you know, um, on the shows that she did, particularly in the 60s and the 70s, and she's just such a natural talent, like just standing up with a guitar, singing away, like no, you know, doesn't need any backing. She's just really amazing. Um, another quote, I mean, there'd be that many Dolly quotes, but another one that I really liked that I heard her say was, um, you know, on the outside I look fake, but the, on, on the inside I couldn't be more real. And that's what I portray, like that's what I get from her yeah. watching her interviews. Like she's so honest and you can pretty much ask her anything and anything that people ask her that is like a bit derogatory or, you know, they're not getting it. She's got such a quick wit that she can kind of get out of it or shut them down without being rude. She's really smart. She always smart. comes off looking better. Yeah. And yeah. I think in regards to her look, like she come out in the 60s when the big, like everyone was wearing wigs, it wasn't that unusual. Um, 70s, 80s, everyone had their look. Like you look at Cher, um, you know, Alton John, like they all had that outlandish look. The 90s, her popularity waned. Um, she lost her music records and, you know, people went off her. And then look at like, you know, 2014, she played to a massive crowd at Glastonbury of yeah. young people that all knew the words to all of her songs. So it's like she's now a spokesperson, you know, you've got your LGBT, you know, you're transgender and she's, everyone's now, you know, um, sort of adopting go with who you are, the way you look. So that's, she's now back in, like it's come in waves and she's back in fashion or not in fashion, but it's popular again at this time. Yeah. It appears to be like those big artists. I feel like they all cycle through um, the circle of life in their careers. Like you think about the bigger names and, you know, when they're really big and then they have their lulls and then for some reason they, they come back again. Like, Johnny Cash yeah. is a good example even. He yeah, was he was the same. very similar. And Kenny Rogers um, was very similar yeah. as well. They, I guess, um, musical tastes change or, you know, what's in at the time and that's that shows, you know, the ones that stand the test of time, they come back around with the next cycle. Yeah, and I think too, like, for Johnny and Dolly in their um, similarities, they both had their own TV shows for a while um, they had hits. So whether it is that there's too much of them, um, an oversaturation of they were everywhere. Like I even remember, you know, in the 80s when I was primary school and knew who Dolly Parton was. Like she was a, she was a household name um, and she was starring in her movies in the 80s and she was kind of everywhere. Does it get to a point where people are like, oh, it's her again? Like they, they lose the spark or like you say, Kylie, you know, musical preferences change and and they kind of just get a bit forgotten about yeah the 90s was a very straight decade you know people were wearing blazer suits and it was just a bit of a boring era so she just didn't fit in there I think and she was still releasing music but and I think her country fans still liked it but the rest of like you know mainstream sort of lost interest and went in a different direction but now yeah everything goes in cycles and we've come full circle and come back around to Dolly mm. And she often, um, Jamie mentioned in the bio that, um, you know, the late 70s was when she kind of made that conscious move from country to pop. She wanted to become a bit more mainstream. And at the time, country, you know, the diehards were sort of saying, you know, that's terrible. You know, what are you doing? You've oh, already made it here. They yeah, always do that. They always say that. She said something along the lines of, um, I'm not leaving country, I'm taking it with me. So, you know, 
going later on to the 90s and stuff when she sort of did have that lull in her music, um, was it because, I don't know, was it because pop had changed and so she cycled back through the country? I, I don't know. Yeah, she, um, went back to, she went to bluegrass music, which was sort of her roots, which isn't, you know, isn't that mainstream at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where but she yeah. started, yeah, bluegrass. Like. Yeah. Country mm. music seems very, I often hear that, like country music gets angry at their artists when they go pop for some reason. It's like you can only be one, you can't be the other. I've actually written a couple of examples. Um, I remember Shania Twain. She was huge and she was huge in the pop world and for some mm. reason it's almost like the country world wanted to disown her. Um, oh, Kenny Rogers oh. was a bit the same. I must confess I'd be pretty angry too if some of my favourite artists went to country though. <laughs> Would you? Until <laughs> Jam just come out with a, with a violin. <laughs> but they like they all sort of changed their um, sounds a little bit. Like, you know, Bob Dylan, I suppose back when Bob Dylan did it, like a lot of um, his followers went against him. But even as recently as you, I don't know if you recall the little Nas song, Old Town Road, it was like number one for 18 weeks. Mm. He had to add that um, Billy Ray Cyrus Verses in because it wouldn't be classed as country if he didn't. So he chucked a bit of Billy Ray in to get him in both the keep his foot in both rooms. Mm. I don't um, being um, saying that I, I'm not a country music fan. Just from the little snippets that I have seen, like even watching the Dolly docos, but he, um, Keith Urban as well. We've spoken about him, and um, it just seems to be such this. It, huge entity in America particularly like even um that Blake Shelton who um I'd never heard of him and he's just married Gwen Stefani and so um I follow her on Instagram so now there's all these country music Instagram things of her and him and I'm like it's like another world that I don't know anything about like it must be huge in America country music huge I I had no idea until I went over there because country music's not that big in Australia, I guess in the country regions it is, but over there they are so like wherever you go, like driving, more stations were country stations than pop, and and like I say I like old school country music, you know Johnny Cash, Dolly Parton, mm. the mainstream ones now, like the current ones, it's just all the same to me, and it's all about you know my tractor's broke and my girlfriend's left me, <laughs> and I'm gonna drink myself. And it's like, oh, I can't listen to it. Like I had to keep changing the station. But we went into a bar. It was somewhere in Florida. And everyone just, the song come on and everyone just jumped up and literally started doing that, um, oh, what's that dance style called? The bootlining, bootlegging. It was you know, oh, um, all in the same. Boot scooting? Like... Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. Boot, basically boot scooting. And everyone was singing along and these people turned to us and they're like, why aren't you singing? It's like, because I've never heard this song before and I never really want to hear it again, actually. Mm. But And it wasn't even like a country town or a country bar, but, yeah, they love them, some country music over there. Is it because we don't, do we not, I shouldn't say do we not as in, you know, but not relating to country music as much because we don't relate to that, what they're singing about, you know, my tractor's broken and where's my dog and <laughs> is that just because more, we don't... there's more middle America than there is like you know in Ooh, Australia, Australia it's the cities are more populated and if you did like well, we grew up in the country and it wasn't that big there but then we'd get off you know and go to our grandparents farm and that's where I grew up listening to Kenny Rogers I realized you know by the age of 10 I knew every word to every Kenny Rogers song and if I'd have lived in town, it's only a half hour difference, but I guess, yeah, the different lifestyle. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm sure if you went to the Benny Ute muster, there'd be plenty of uh, <laughs> kicking around. Boot scooting. <laughs> yeah. Um, just about like when we were talking about her looks and that sort of thing, I'm just going to dive into it. I just, it come to me one night thinking about like Dolly's looks and, you know, they talk about, you know, she's um, anti-feminist or she is feminist and um, I just was thinking one night about an analogy. This is sort of an analogy of an analogy from Kill Bill and it's my favourite analogy of all time. It's in Kill Bill 2 and it's towards the end, Bill is explaining to Beatrix Kiddo about superheroes and their alter egos and he goes on to list like, you know, um, you know Peter Parker as... Spider-Man, he's born Peter Parker, becomes Spider-Man, has to put on the Spider-Man outfit. You know, the same as Batman, he's born Bruce Wayne, he has to go and put on the Batman outfit. But Superman, on the other hand, is born Superman and he has to pretend to be Clark Kent. You know, he has to take the Clark Kent clothes off and Superman is his true identity that's kind of how I feel about Dolly, like for a few reasons. She was born Dolly, like her name was Dolly. Like you would expect mm. that to be a stage name given to her for the way she looks, but she was born Dolly Parton. Um, her personality, even the way she looks, um, she was reasonably well endowed. She did have, you know, the blonde curly hair. So she had, you know, enhanced the way she looked the way she acts, you can tell, is just true Dolly. So she is that person. It's not an act that she has to put on. She doesn't put the outfit on. I've even heard people say, like, she, you will find her vacuuming her house on a Sunday morning dressed that way, full makeup, mm. wig, everything. People have never seen her any other way. That's who she truly is. And that's why, like, in regards to feminism, like, the way she looks shouldn't have any effect on that because she's being true to herself and the way she looks. I would say her alter ego is the ego, like, you know, that people associate with those looks. You know, she's dumb, she's a bimbo, but her real, um, like, really she is smart. She's a businesswoman, she's shrewd. That's like, you know, sometimes maybe she more hid those facts um, and that was like, you know, that was what she was hiding. But, yeah, I just found that really interesting that, you know, that's most other people are the other way around. They become the star. Mm. They dress up. They change their names, whereas she is Dolly Parton. All the time. That's her. right. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I've um i read too that she herself has said she never takes her makeup off when she goes to bed. She goes to bed as Dolly Parton. Yeah. She's Yeah. So she's um, – it is completely her, as you say. It's not um, for the cameras or – Yeah, um, it's more for her. So it's why her, should she yeah. then change the way she looks and who she is to slot into a more feminist, you know, especially in the 70s, like, oh, we burn our bras, we grow our armpit hairs, we don't wear makeup, we have moustaches. Like, why should she become that person when especially she could do so much more as she was for the movement? You know, she wrote songs in the 60s before the movement even started mm. about I am woman and, yep. yeah, so why should she change to fit that mould? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And that just goes on to show how rude some of the interviews she's had to, you know, be a part of when they, they are sitting yeah. there saying to her, you know, Change why, why do you look, look the way you look? Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't you don't have to be like this. And yeah. surely this isn't 
how you want to be. And she's like, I do. This is me. This is what I think is beautiful. And, um, yeah, it's um, a testament to her that she's stayed really true to herself. Yeah, through all those decades because it's now, it's right for us to say that now because we're in the decade where anything goes, any way you want to look, anything you want to do, anyone you want to be with, like anything goes. But that certainly wasn't the way, you know, back in the 70s, 80s and 90s even. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Again, just a really smart lady um, doing it her way. Jamie, you got anything break? you'd like to? Yeah. Um, I, I think she's a wonderful role model. Like, um, I think yeah, she knows who exactly who she is. She knows exactly what she wants, and um, she doesn't hurt anyone along the way. She just uh, looks after her own interests. Um, in fact, not only, I shouldn't say she doesn't hurt anyone. She makes people happy along the way. So mm. why wouldn't she keep doing what she's doing? She's um, yeah, she's a gem. Mm. Yeah. I want to add. Um, I just remembered when I was um, reading up about her and a fact that I um, could not believe and won't forget um, as much as um, when Jamie you're saying she makes people happy and she always portrays such a positive happy to be there vibe no matter Mm -hmm. what she's doing Um, but someone had asked her once about if she has low points and she went on to say of course I'm I'm human of course I have I've had highs and lows and um, you know, that's all normal, a part of life. She went on to say that in the 80s, um, and, uh, you know, was probably coinciding with her, her biggest successes with music and movies, and um, she was really depressed. And she, um, what I read, I, I don't know if this, is a, if this is true or not, but the story that I read was she'd done a movie with Burt Reynolds and it was um, called The... The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. And um, so by this point, she's already been married, you know, roughly 20 years to her still husband now, Carl Dean. Um, and again, she says, you know, her words, she's gone on, she's said, you know, has said that um, she's a flirt, um, loves flirting with with people, but has never been an unfaithful person. Um, however, so in the 80s, yeah, working with Burt Reynolds, huge attraction to this man married um and she was just felt hopeless um she also couldn't have kids as well so that was another um thing that was playing on her mind and she'd had uh, medical um issues around that as well anyway she was at home one day and she was upstairs in wherever she lived she was upstairs and she was sitting at her dressing table looking in the mirror and she opened a drawer and she had a gun in the drawer. And um, she said she grabbed the gun and she was picked it up and just looking at it, but she was feeling really down. And so, yeah, everything had sort of, sort of had gotten to her and she had this, these feelings for Burt Reynolds. And I think she said it was an emotional affair of the heart. So basically saying she was in love with him, nothing had happened but she was married and she couldn't do anything. And, you know, on top of knowing she couldn't have kids and the whole lot. Anyway, so she's sitting there, picks up the gun. She's looking at the gun and all of a sudden her little pet Boston Terrier, I might add, and those people who know me know that I have my Rosie dog is a Boston Terrier. She had a Boston Terrier named Popeye, which fabulous name. And Popeye somehow sensed what she was doing and raced up the stairs and yeah, she said this. Um, Popeye just arrived out of nowhere, 
like a frantic arrival, not just, you know, moping up the stairs. And she said she took that as a sign. And she's a she's a, a woman of faith, I guess you'd say. She's very religious. She took that as a sign from God that don't do what you're thinking of doing. So put your gun down. You're going to be all right. Move on. So, um, yeah, she's. I thought that was pretty amazing and very um, candid for her to talk about. So just a shout out to all the Boston Terriers out there. <laughs> out there saving lives. Oh, they're amazing. Rosie Dog, that's for you, my dear. Um, that's a cool story. Yeah. I know. Yeah, had a bit of everything. <laughs> Interesting to know she was in love with Bert Reynolds. I know. And then there's a photo online of the two of them. And, yeah, she's looking at him and you're like, oh, the chemistry, yeah. Because yeah. it was a very strange, like, it's a bit strange with her husband, He's a bit like Kaiser Soze, really. Like they've been married all these years and people that have been in her band for, you know, 50 years, never met him, never seen him, never been to any of her gigs. Yeah. Like yep. he's lurking in the shadows somewhere. She said that they, in all the years they've been together, they've never had a huge argument. Um, and she just says he's a recluse. He, just, oh, Yeah, he's quite reclusive. He just likes being home, doesn't want the limelight. Yeah, he must be um, the very opposite of her then because she is, yeah, the complete opposite to that and he doesn't leave the house much. Yeah, which kind of doesn't surprise me in a way because she is so intelligent and can see through all of that showbiz, um, I guess, fakery. She would love being able to, I guess, come home to someone who is completely removed and live a completely normal life, you know. And I guess also that goes back to her childhood and upbringing, you know, it's probably someone more like her daddy or whatever, like, you know, just, yeah, back in the, in the, out of the limelight and in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> what we do in the shadows. <laughs> okay. So are you guys ready to keep Keep moving along. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Before, so on to the. Oh, sorry. sorry go. go on. Before we go further, do you know about Kylie and my family's Kate Bushing Smarties? No, I don't. Please tell them, Kylie. The um, Kate Bushathon that we went to. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be an annual thing, and I think the first one we went to was just before COVID hit, so it's been cancelled the next two years. But it was a mass Kate Bush Wuthering Heights fest where we all had to dress up in the red, you know, sort of cape outfit with the black belt, red stockings and black shoes. And in um, Wuthering Heights, there's a dance that she does the whole way through. We had to go and everyone did that. So... I don't know how many, there was hundreds of us there and someone up on stage with a microphone showing us and then they played the music and we all did the dance. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Do they have it on big screens or do, you, or do they send nah. you a... No, it was recorded and we could, we, it was actually on the news. Um, but, yeah, it was recorded and it was one of those things that was going to get bigger and grow momentum every year. But, yeah, I'll definitely be at the next one, but that was a lot of fun. We might have to put some of that footage up on the Facebook page as well. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Should we move on? Let's do it. Should we get closer and closer to the count? Yes, I'm feeling it. Okay. So uh, this normally with our um, our countdown, we are pretty strict on the rules of people, um, you know, whether they've got to stay within their own band or, you know, there's not, not anyone allowed to come and um, play along with them. But 
with Dolly, um, given that she, you know, began in country or in um, bluegrass and, and country and then went into pop and um, sort of has covered all bases now, um, we're allowing um, we're allowing duets, we're allowing all kinds of music for her in our top ten. Um, and given the fact that she has been, you know, singing and releasing songs since she was, you know, early teens, um, her catalogue is enormous, the amount of songs that she has released. So our honourable mentions was a long list, probably could have been longer really, given how many songs she has um, released. But um, I'll just track through the ones that made our honourable mention list. Last thing on my mind, Tennessee Homesick Blues, Two Daddy, Grass Is Blue, Sweet Summer Lovin', Travelin' Man, Do I Ever Cross Your Mind, Here I Am, Love Is Like a Butterfly, My Tennessee Mountain Home, Down From Dover, Heartbreaker, Touch Your Woman, Holdin' On To You, You're The Only One In The Ghetto. So that was our list from the five of us that did the top 10 for that week for Dolly Parton. And if you guys are ready, should we get into the countdown? Let's do ready. it. All right, then, Jamie, if you can get us started on number 10. Yellow Roses. Yellow Roses was from the White Limousine album. It's not was my song. I didn't have it in my ten. Didn't grab me that much. Um, didn't hate it, but um, just it wouldn't have made my top ten. I don't think. Uh, just it's just a bit too slow and a bit too country for me. This one. Um, I just had that image of of a bar with too much denim, too too belts that are too big and too too many uh, big boots and. Um, slow dancing and a slide guitar on the side and yeah I don't know where this would have sat on my list but it probably wouldn't have been in my top 10 sorry Yellow Roses who did who did um, have that one I think our phantom voter had this Blame one it on Danny uh, yeah Danny uh, yes Danny. yep Danny Goodrum <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah this is one that had that real country twang like you know you hear that guitar and it's just so country and it has a bit of that sound I was saying earlier that I don't really like of the country where it's all I don't even know that it's a sad oh I think you know he bought a yellow roses and then he left her that's the plot of the story so <laughs> the end <A> jerk. <laughs> spoiler alert guys for that yeah. well they were yellow they weren't red so she should have known from the color of the roses yeah. <laughs> That's a, a note to all that, yeah, be yeah. careful about the colour roses that you choose. Um, <laughs> he gives you yellow, just oh, bash him upside that. the head with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of yellow roses, Smarty? Definitely not for me. Definitely not for me. Um, yeah, as I'd sort of mentioned, I, I'm not huge on the country um, music. And I think I'm a bit like you, Kylie. I don't mind the, the older stuff. Um, like Dolly from, you know, 60s, 70s and Johnny Cash and ones that we probably know a bit better, but for the, these sort of ones that are not known, I I'm, I'm, didn't really, um, yeah, yeah make the, the list. hardcore country fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely didn't it. make my, my um, shortlist, that's for sure. 
So should I go on to the next one then? If we're um, I think we're in agreement on that one. Yeah. So the next one is one that I picked. Um, Baby, I'm burning. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about this song, but um, I even listening to it again um, today, just to be reminded um, of the choice. It's a great song. It's um, it was came at the time when Dolly was um, doing that sort of transition from country to pop in the late seventies, and um, late seventies was a big time around um, disco hitting and Studio Fifty Four in America, which um, Dolly went to. And um, I found um, an interview, another one with her saying that she loved going to Studio Fifty Four, but she wouldn't um, dance. She would just like sitting back and watching everyone else having a good time. And she talked to Andy Warhol and makes her realise that she would have met so many people in her lifetime, particularly because she was doing country to pop. So listening to this song, you can hear that disco um, feel to it. The one thing that um, kind of makes me laugh, and it, it might have been amazing at the time, but um, throughout the song in the chorus, um, there's a, a line that's, um, she says, hot as a pistol, a flaming desire. And when she says hot as a pistol, there's these like laser noises. And I, was, I wrote that down. So what, <laughs> my exact words were, what is with the laser beam? <laughs> so I was just saying I've put laser noises sound funny. Um, and look, it might have been like really cool at that stage. It's like, you know, you can imagine people with Studio 54, you know, got playing along with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a country disco song, but... It kind of works. She she makes it work. And even like her lyrics, um, she's hitting real highs and then she's dropping quite low, um, which is a pretty good feat for a up-tempo sort of quicker song. Um, yeah, so really catchy. I um, Listening to it again, I was like, yeah, I really like it. Don't know about the pistols, but really like it. Um, it's kind of got a bit of a show tune sound about it, like theatrical and... Every mm. instrument gets involved. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, I can see that link of, you know, that Studio 54, you know, if she was going to that at that time a lot and getting influenced by that sort of, because what she, you can only imagine what, you know, what they would have been seeing at Studio 54. So it would have been pretty theatrical, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, cross through. I, I, this one wasn't for me really either. I don't think I'm, I'm just... I think I'm more of the old old school 60s, 70s stuff, and uh, this was just mm. uh, out of my comfort zone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wrote it. What's with the laser? I also I don't know why I wrote it down. I can't remember, but I wrote down Eddie Van Halen in there as well. Didn't you know that what might be better? Is it just me being silly? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I wrote down Eddie mm. Van Halen. Um, no, I wouldn't this one wouldn't get many rotations on 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 my uh, record player. Sorry, Smarty. Mm. No, no, all good understanding. Um, if that's the case, I'll move on to number eight and I'll um, run through number eight in uh, Delta Danny's absence. Mm. So number eight, we have... He said you can call me Joshua. Joshua, Joshua, what you doing in here on the Joshua. Um, so this song was... Um, Dolly's first number one country 
music hit in America and she released it in 1970. So that was at the time when she was on a country music show called the Porter Wagner Variety Show or something along those lines. Um, he he was like this, I don't know what you guys thought or if you saw him, but he's he was a strange looking character and you know, even listening to him introduce her, it's so cringy, but I guess it was the time and, and that country thing, you know, this pretty little Dolly, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, she released this Joshua and it went to number one and it probably was a bit of a credit to this Porter Wagner because he had his show that I think it began in 1967 and um, she was on it and that was um, America's first, you know, um, taste of Dolly in a national sort of format so um, she was hugely popular on that show and so her releasing this song two years later um, people would have been supporting her um, I, when I was listening to it again um, it reminds me of Johnny Cash's Boy Named Sue it's kind That's of got exactly that same what I've written yeah I really got that yeah as soon as she started and it's just you know builds that story um with a bit of humor and um the, the sound of it totally I, I I feel like she wrote that with him in mind yeah um, I feel like she must have heard that song and maybe without knowing went and wrote this song and the start of it is very much that lyrical talking singings that Johnny Cash does at the start of um A Man Named Sue and yeah that's exactly what I've, I've written it just reminds me of A Man Named Sue but then the more you listen to it it has a very different outcome to that song yes instead of brawling in a bar they're doing a bit more vertical they're brawling, brawling yeah <laughs> yeah brawling in the bedroom instead of the bar and totally uh, it does have a little bit of a yodel at the end of it which I quite like yeah that. nice to hear Dolly yeah. yodel yeah but um well yeah. and again showcasing just how good she is she makes it look effortless like she yeah. doesn't sing with strain ever it's yeah. just so she never seems just to comes miss out. a note either it always sounds no good. No, um, just um, the last thing about this song, um, and like you said, Kylie, earlier, that obviously a lot of influence from her younger years have wound up in her songs. Um, this particular song, Joshua, was sort of based around um, there was a recluse in there where they lived and he played the banjo or something and she actually really liked him and got along well with him, but it was never a romantic thing. It was... Um, he was much older, but yeah, she kind of, that was the basis of the song. Yeah. I didn't have it, but I liked it. Uh, always love a good uh, country and Western song with a storyline. Uh, that's like what you were speaking about earlier, Kylie's. Well, we grew up on all the Kenny Rogers and the Charlie Pride. So a good story, uh, sorry, a good song with a good story goes a long way. Uh, love the love the bass in it too. Love it. You can, I can just got to, when I was listening, I was imagining it's someone with a big double bass spinning it around and, and then going back into the slap again. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, quite like this one. Uh, much more country rooted. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Rogers actually said at his concert that he's had many number one hits and he said the trick to writing a great country song is you take the saddest story you can find and give it a really catchy tune that everyone likes to sing and can even dance to and you'll have yourself a number one hit every time mm. it's a good formula mm. okay uh are we happy to move on to our number seven choice for you kylie which well, was rich as i could be in my coat of many colors my mama made for me 
coat of many colours. Yes, coat of many colours. If Dolly herself was to join the vinyl countdown, or you probably requested and maybe didn't hear back from her, she would actually register this song as number one because this is her, of you know, almost three to 5,000 songs, Dolly's favourite song that she has ever written. And she puts that down to um, the song, again, coming from her childhood, but this sort of encompasses her whole childhood, like her her mother, her love for her mother, um, growing up poor, which a lot of, you know, people back then were ashamed of and would try to hide, whereas Dolly, it's almost like she's proud of her, you know, the, well, she is proud of the way they grew up. Yep. Um, and in this song, you can see that she had a coat that was made from a box of rags that was donated to them and the mother, her mother sewed all the rags together and made her this coat of many colours that she loved and adored and thought was wonderful and then went off to school and all the kids started pointing and laughing at her and she couldn't understand why, which is a very sad So it's, you know, even got a bit of bullying in there. Mm. Um, but it didn't change. Like she just thought they were all wrong and that, you know, she she knew where her coat of many colours comes from. And now when she sings it, she says it's something that has always kept her so humble. Like she just thinks of that coat of many colours. And, yeah, um, it was a time when... They had no money. Well, this is what she says in the song. Um, but they were as rich as they could be in my coat of many colours my mama made just for me. It's a very sweet mm. song. Um, she, um, I think I heard that at Dollywood she's got um, a replica of the coat. She had it remade um, to have on display at the Dollywood um, centre that she's got in America that people can visit. Um Obviously, like such a strong link to her childhood, she, they had their family home rebuilt as well. Well, not rebuilt, sorry, um, like a replica. It wasn't to to change it, but to keep it so people could visit to see how she lived and where she was brought up. So, um, but I've seen a picture of the coat and it was beautiful. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, kids teased her, but yeah. Uh, kids those days. Kids, oh, yeah. They lost their family home. The, their father lost the family home to it. I'm not sure at what age she was, but um, uh, when she came into money or started making money, she uh, went and bought it all back um, so her family could live live back on it. And um, so it was in an interview and they, someone asked her, why, why did you want to buy that sort of place out in the middle of nowhere? And she goes, well, sometimes a girl just wants to piss off the porch. And that was, that was her. Yeah. It was so. on the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I reckon she had a um, bit of a potty um, mouth on her sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's great that someone like that is, can stay grounded, and um, it's good when yeah, remember where they come from. Yeah, I've seen her when she talked about that. Um, she did an interview with Brian Johnson, the lead singer of um, ACDC. He it's pretty current. He's doing a show where he interviews you know people, famous people, and. Uh, the two of them talk about how poor they were because he grew up on the streets of Glasgow and was extremely poor and she, they, yeah, they both had that in common. So they went into that a bit and they both saying how they never, like, you know, no matter how rich they got, the value of a dollar, she was saying like she could go and buy a $2,000 coat and she's like, my daddy would live off that, you know, $2,000. Like that would be, you know, his yearly income. Like she'd always still think of things like that and Brian was very much the same. Yeah, it definitely has shaped her, and and I like how you mentioned that there's there's no shame in it. That she's um, yeah, very she's open. 
Um, I was even thinking about that earlier and, and thought, you know, she appears to have had a really happy upbringing um, despite living in, you know, such poverty, um, you know, no electricity, no running water, that they would bath once a week in the river, you know, um, as we I mentioned earlier, the sleeping in the bed with young kids who, you know, the bed would be wet every night. Um, and then you look at people who grow up with such privilege and, and it's not always a happy um, life later on. So it just goes to show the important things. It's not about money or... Yeah, it's um, what you really need. Um, she says her mum said, we may not be rich with money, but we're rich with love and you may not get what you want, but you'll always get what you need. Yeah. Good life yeah, yeah. lessons there. She's a clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, should we move on to number six? Just because I'm blonde, don't say I'm dumb, because this dumb blonde Dumb Blonde in at number six. Um, Jamie, did you want to talk about that one? I do want to talk about this one. I, I, When I was studying my dolly, I, I think I'd heard it before, but I wasn't sure, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got – I was a bit conflicted with it, though, because it's got real pop, a pop sound to it, like an early sort of 50s sort of pop. But you can also hear a lot of Hank Williams in, in it as well, that sort of cheating. Twangy. Heart. Hey. Sorry, I was going to say the real twang as yeah, well. That, yeah, that um, southern twang, that Nashville twang, that you fly too high. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I can hear that, you know, the 50 sound talking about like the Connie Francis, like uh, the stupid Cupid, stop picking on me. Oh, are you talking about? Your it's 50s sort of uh, trios uh, where they do those songs about their boyfriends are back and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that little bit of a sound to it as well, that sort of pop sound. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it both ways. Because I like that sort of sound as well. I think when we talk about the women's lib, um, this is a good good uh, look at Dolly at a young age. Um, she was going to make a statement from the get go that, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this makes it really clear that she was going to be who she was going to be and um, get out of the road. I think it would have been a touch controversial at the time too because she was coming out saying and it's really her anthem she didn't write the song but um it kind of sums her up that people assuming and again you're talking about how she looked you know at that time of you know the late 60s that to get that attention that was what worked and this song is pretty much that anthem to it isn't it just Mm -hmm. you think I'm a dumb blonde but I'm not. Mm. And while you're thinking all those things, I'm just getting on with it. (laughs) One of the lines, just because I'm blonde, don't think I'm dumb because this dumb blonde ain't nobody's fool. It's sort of like setting the tone. Then what we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, I think it's, you can see why it appealed to her as a song. It's like uh, it's written for her. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, she's written so many, but that one, she didn't write which I found interesting because you would think that the way that it is written that she would have well we have come up to our halfway mark it's quiz o'clock quiz who's in yes quiz quiz oh I like that um now I'm actually a bit scarred from our last quiz because uh (laughs) I just thought I might mention that um I know uh, in our last quiz there was a question about um, 
numbers and in my head I had the right answer but what came out was <laughs> totally not so I've decided to take a different format with the quiz uh, this week and rather than the clever cryptic um, questions that uh, Jamie does for us mine are a lot uh, a lot uh, easier to um, understand I think I'll probably say them wrong <laughs> but uh, our, the quiz ahead of us is all um, obviously Dolly Parton related so shall we begin I, I guess this is going to be interesting because you both are first quiz participants this could be very well why Danny's not here yeah we get very competitive get on crushed. the quiz this is going to be like I'm a feeding frenzy to the sharks. <laughs> I'm nervous as the host, don't worry. Oh, okay. Start your engines. <laughs> What's our buzzer? Oh, good. I'm glad you reminded me. Okay, what should we do for our buzzers? Um, uh, can I do be we... Jolene? Oh, jo of course. Jolene. Of course. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Thank Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Saved the day. Oh, thank God. <laughs> okay, first question, if you're ready. Who was Dolly Parton's first crush? I will give you a clue. Joshua, oh, I've got, sorry, I'll wait for clues. I'll give you, I'll give you the clue. It yeah. is a... Famous musician. Joshua. Go ahead, Joshua. Johnny Cash. Yes. Well done. Yes. It was. So Dolly Parton was 13 when she first played at the Grand Old Opry, which she had had her heart set on from, you know, when she was seven or eight starting out. Um, and that's what they listened to on the radio. And um, she got to play it at 13 and met Johnny Cash. And she has gone on to say that she felt all the feels as a 13-year-old girl meeting him. Um, she said that was at his height of his, you know, drug addiction, but she said that he was just so charming and just, yeah, she was completely mesmerised by him. And she went on to tell him, like, and, as it appears that Dolly's just so honest, she, she said that she told him that, you know, she... He was her first crush and they would joke about it. So there you go, Johnny Cash. And just another question. When Kylie answers her buzzer, does she have to say Jolene four times? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> does that mean you've got to now say, oh, Joshua, Joshua? <laughs> Only fair. Okay, moving on. Uh, Dolly's husband, Carl Dean is his name. Uh, what line of business was he in when he was working? Joshua. Joshua James. Was he a truck driver? No, but it's very uh, along those lines. Um, Jolene, would you like to have another guess? It's along those uh. lines. Of Along the lines of truck driving. Um, I'll give you a, a cab big... driver. No, I was going to say, I'll give you a big clue. It's what a truck would drive on. On the roads? Yeah. Yes. So he was an asphalt road surface. He had an asphalt road surface paving business. 
Yeah. Yeah. So while Dolly was out doing her her gigs and movies, he was laying down the roads. Mm. He's on the road again. (laughs) On the road again. On the road again. Okay. Question number three. This is true or false, and I'm sure you will both know this one, so get your buzzers ready. Was the first mammal to be cloned from an adult cell named after Jolene? Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> I believe it was uh, the sheep, Dolly. That's right. That is true. Well done. And do you know why that was the case? Why it was a sheep? Why uh, the, this sheep was named after oh, it was Dolly. Dolly? It was actually named the after Dolly Parton, was it? Mm, yes. This sheep was, yeah. Because of her hair? Long curly locks. <laughs> it should have been, and that is not a bad um, guess. It was actually the sheep was named Dolly because the DNA was taken from the memory gland cell. <laughs> yeah, we don't write this stuff. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, so we have Kylie slash Jolene, 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 Jolene on one <laughs> and Joshua, Jamie, La Clayton on one also. Nice. Oh, so, hey. One horse race. <laughs> okay, question number four. Dolly was one of 12 children. How many brothers and how many sisters were there? Jolene, 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 Jolene. (laughs) I'm going to take a guess. I know there was more brothers than sisters. All right. I'm going to say eight brothers and three sisters. Oh, hang on. Wait, that doesn't even equal <laughs> eight brothers and four sisters. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I did the math on this one. So eight boys and four girls? Yes. Incorrect. I'll go, I'll go seven uh, boys, five girls. Also incorrect. Oh. They had six. Nine boys. Six of oh, each. Six and six. Six and six. Ah. Can either of you, for a bonus point, name any of her siblings? Jolene. 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 I know she had a sister called Stella. 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 <laughs> yes. One point to you, Jolene. Uh, Joshua, do you have any others you want to have a crack at for oh, sibling names? Parton, is it? Just Peter. Peter Parton. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. No. Be a so John. of the twelve, well, it's there's such country names. I'll, I'll reel them up for you. Yeah. <laughs> they have like two names, like um, Bobby but, John, Derek. Some uh, of them actually do. Mary Jo, Bobby. And it feels like as they get further down that there is a little bit of oh, I can't be bothered thinking of another name. I'm going to use the one I had before. So. Starts off the firstborn with Willardine, and then Willardine, and then David Wilburn, and then Coy Denver, Dolly Rebecca, Bobby Lee, Stella May, yeah, Stella May, Cassie, Cassie Nan, Randall Houston, Larry Gerald, Estelle Floyd, 
And then at the very end, they had twins because they didn't have enough kids. <laughs> Frida Estelle and Rachel Ann. Rachel Imagine just reeling them off in the whole, you know, looking for the kids. Just, <laughs> well, it ain't David, David Wilbur, go Denver. <laughs> Standing out the porch calling him in at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they would have had to have made songs up just to remember it, I think. So, yeah, lots of kids. Um, one of them, Larry Gerald, he was the only one who um, he died four days after he was born in 1955. All of her other siblings um, went on to live um, longer lives and most of them were in the music industry. Um, there's only... I think three or four, three that shunned it, didn't want anything to do with it, led private lives and all the others uh, um, are involved in the music industry. So um, yeah, obviously a very influential um, upbringing with the music. When she went solo um, after the Cole Porter show, she employed mostly her siblings to play in her band. And when she opened Dollywood, it was to give a lot of her cousins jobs. <laughs> that was one of the main reasons to employ the partners. Yeah, I did. I read that and I thought that was quite funny. Um, and like some of them, like they do the whole show and the whole bit and they're, yeah, it's all family. Very generous. Doesn't make mm. Dolly's world very enticing, though, does it? Now that there's possum skinners and then at the front gate. <laughs> <laughs> for country hicks, maybe not, but for, for city folk, maybe. Into a, yeah. into a spittoon as you go in. Tobacco <laughs> <laughs> spittoon oh. contest. So we've got um, one more question, and it will be to tie, and then if, if we need to do another one, uh, we will. So the last question that I have for you guys, I've got um, Joshua on one and Jolene, Jolene times four on two. So on to the next question. Uh, Dolly is renowned for getting up early in the morning. Um, she credits her um, work ethic to getting up early and getting things done before others. Can you take a guess at what time she gets up in the morning? Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. And take a guess, 5 a.m.? Yeah. Incorrect. Joshua. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 4 o'clock. Also incorrect. Oh. Dolly gets up at 3 a.m. every day. Jesus. That's not even morning. That's night time. It is in the peak of night. And that's, she says, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, she says she meditates, she um, prays, she checks all the work she's got to do. So, but she then says she goes to bed really early. So I don't know what schedule she'd be running. 3 a.m. till 6 p.m. <laughs> 7. <laughs> Mm. amazing although she never looks tired i mean she's had a lot of work done so maybe she just doesn't need to get that much sleep no i guess yeah once again living with 12 people you get up you don't get a choice when you get up so <laughs> you get up when the bed's in the bed yeah <laughs> well but we'll call it um we'll call the quiz quits from there guys unless you want to have another question but uh Kylie, you've um, you've edged ahead. Jolene has taken Joshua on and won. This is bullshit. This means I'm the only person that hasn't won a quiz now. <laughs> and probably never I, will. 
<laughs> you can have a bottle of sparkling as a um, as a prize, Kylie. So please enjoy. <laughs> really hard to scull champagne out of a bottle. <laughs> Shaking it up and spraying it. <laughs> I take my celebrating very seriously. <laughs> as serious as my quizzes. Uh, well done, guys. A um, couple of other little uh, random. Um, bits of info about Dolly that I had written down is um, so she's got Dollywood and she opened that in uh, I think 86 um, and we've mentioned she employs pretty much all the partners in the area so it's probably all the employees who work there um, someone asked her once what her favourite ride was at Dollywood and um, she's never been on any rides because she doesn't like them she gets motion the sickness. The wig come off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, she's um, never been on any rides at Dollywood. And one other random uh, bit of info that I thought was amusing was she actually, um, she got involved in a Dolly Parton lookalike contest once. <laughs> she turned up, she said she deliberately uh, put on a lot more makeup and um, was a bit over the top more so with the, like, the mole and, and the whole thing. And... Um, she went to this contest. No one knew she was going in it and she lost. <laughs> she said she thought that they all thought yeah, she was a, a short little gay guy who was trying to be Dolly. <laughs> and uh, she did not win her own um, lookalike contest. We've got a lot in common. Oh. <laughs> I've got a trivia question for you both. Who is Dolly Parton's famous goddaughter? Miley. That was going to come up. I was ready to count some Yeah, I... I, I Thought I'd steer clear of Miley tonight. Too well known. Too well known. Yeah. And, um, yeah, although to her credit, um, Dolly, as always, um, ever the professional, when asked about her, she says that she credits Miley with all of her younger fans now because she says that they, all the Hannah Montana kids growing up wanted to know about Miley and then discovered that Miley's godmother was Dolly. And so she said, I, I um, thank Miley for bringing all the younger people in um, at a later stage that like my music. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay, on to number five and controversial at number five. I will always love you. Kylie, can you tell Very, us about yes. this? Very controversial at number five because this was my number one and this is my um, bereavement because I was a bit shocked that it come in at number five. I thought I thought number two um, at best, but anyway, I'll get over it and move on. I think maybe once you listen to what I have to say about it, you'll all change your minds. <laughs> Let's see. We'll do a recount after Because I love – yeah, I think we'll – Chapter one. Be first. <laughs> but um, I just love this song. I absolutely, I will always love this song. Um, you mentioned earlier, Smarty, about the Cole Porter show that she starred on for many years and they both say they um, they had a close relationship, almost more like brother and sister. Um, he was the boss and he had all the creative freedom and so she did, you know, her five years and really come to fame on that show. Um and then she always said, like, she knew she was going to be or she wanted to be a big star, so that wasn't the end for her. 
um, she wanted to do bigger, better things. And Cole started, you know, this is when the bickering really started. He didn't want to let her go and started threatening her with legal action. And he was a producer of the songs and, you know, had these rights and he paid the checks. And they both have um, different versions of what happened next. Her version is that um, he wouldn't listen to what she had to say. She couldn't talk to him. They were fighting. She went home and wrote this song and went in the next day and said, you won't listen to me, you won't listen to what I have to say, so listen to this song that I wrote. She wrote him that song and by the end of the song he was in tears and said, okay, that's mm. it, you know, you can go. He, yeah, he said to her, you can go, but he knew that it was going to be such a big song. He said, as long as you let me produce that song. Um, his version of events was a little bit different. Apparently Dolly was coming in all the time with her little ditties that she'd written and every week there were songs about daddy's old dirty boots and mama's black kettle and he said to her, you know, people don't want to hear about that, you know, all the time. Like they're not interested in your daddy's dirty boots. And he said the one thing everyone likes to hear about, the one thing everyone has in common is love. And you write a song about love and you'll have the greatest audience and he says she come in the next day and sang that song. So I guess uh, I, I guess the truth somewhere in between, like the, that was probably said to her by him and she, you know, probably said, sang that song to him and that was her way out. Um, often when you hear the backstory of a song, like there's songs I hear, and then when I hear where that song, how it come to life, what the meaning behind it is, it gives me a whole new um love for the song or you know just brings it to life for me when I heard that story I was like oh that kills that song a little bit for me because it's such a wonderful beautiful love song and it's about that mm. like that was a bit of a disappointment I, I kind of yeah, like it because it, it's, it's not a real real it's not not a fabricated song to sell records it, it's an actual real event yeah, I guess to me it loses a bit of that love angle, but they do like they do say they loved each other. They worked together, you know, every day um, for five years. So there was that true love. And when you listen to her lyrics, you know, you put it to that. Um, but yeah, as soon as I hear the song, I still fall in love with it. Um, it's a combination of you know just such beautiful lyrics that are so simple. Just that simple, you know, I will always love you. Um, but then it's the emotion that she she delivers it with it's like a freight train like straight to my heart every time I hear it it's a powerful song but it's delivered with such subtlety and that's why I've always preferred this song and the way it's delivered over the power ballad by Whitney Houston um Whitney Houston's version it's great and I've got nothing against it but it is you know the the power behind it and like you know the hard hitting it's completely opposite to Dolly's just angelic lilting tone and you know she, it's almost like she's taking a step back and the song's just doing all the work whereas with Whitney it's the opposite like she pouts it out there's a hint of vulnerability and, yeah. to it I think when Dolly sings it like there's a purity to it I don't know if that makes sense or yeah um you want to protect her that's her as well in terms of you saying she does it in such a um, simple way, but strong, and and that's what I think she is as a person. Yeah. What was? I'm under no illusion that she needs no protection at all. But um, that just when it yeah. sings, it comes across that way. She I does think sound a bit that way. Very endearing to I think to probably the male audience. But uh, yeah, go on. Sorry, Kylie. Yeah, and she also says with this song, um, 
the uh, and she says this about a few of her songs as well. Um, the way that people it reaches the audience because it means so much to them. People have said to her, you know, I played this at my daddy's funeral. I played this at my son's graduation. I think everyone could find a place in their heart where they think like where it relates to them. Like, you know, they've had that moment or yeah, it's like it's she's singing it to you or for you. Mm. And that's sometimes what can be make, you know, a great song when it really resonates and relates to you. And also just out of um, just an interesting little fact, Elvis mm. desperately wanted this song and he wanted it and she was going to let him have it until he had like that really shrewd manager. I think his name was Colonel Parker went to Dolly and said he, he has to have half of the publishing rights and because she was such a good businesswoman, mm. she just knew it was going to be a really big hit and she, she just, I can't let you have the publishing rights. Yes. And she said it absolutely broke her heart because she could have had Albus singing her song, which she would have loved nothing better than, you know, to hear him sing it and imagine like Albus singing that song. It would have been yeah. amazing. But yep. she she said she turned him down and said no for that reason. She said years later, Priscilla told her that um Alva sung that song to her when they split up. And because see, everyone it means something to everyone. Like even to Alva, it had meaning. Yeah, I wrote the yeah. same thing down about that. Um, yeah, because I could. I love Elvis, um, mm. and I love his early '70s stuff. Like. Not so much suspicious minds. Yeah, when he was yeah. he was starting to get that concert gig thing happening, but he was he was doing really well. And like the '68 comeback special, and he in that kind of era, and you could just hear him singing that song and loving it. Yeah, and that's when he had Jamie. fourth degree fourth degree sideburns when they were really big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he was still yeah he was doing some really good songs, but obviously. Um, like you say, Kylie, Colonel Tom Parker was ruthless and well-known for it. And, you yeah. know, credit to him for looking after Elvis because I don't think Elvis had that business smart about him. Nah. Um, and then man. credit to Dolly for standing up to men again. Yeah. Um, you know, in that time where women were probably, you know, they always played that second fiddle role. And she, oh, yeah, I read the same thing. She cried all night and just, and then I read another thing that they said, if you had a, if you could, if you could talk to someone who'd passed away, what, who would you talk to? And she said, Elvis. And I'd just say to him, I'm so sorry. This is my point of view. And, yeah, it, it, obviously yeah. she would love to hear him sing it too. Yeah. Yes. I'll just add, I actually really love the Whitney version too. And mm. I know it's totally different, but um, that was the first time I heard the song. I didn't know it was a cover yeah. when I heard the song. Yeah. Um, you know, love bodyguard as a kid at the age that I saw it, thought it was great. <laughs> I don't know if I could sit through it anymore, but um, I thought that They're was really amazing. And songs, I feel. Totally. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. And that's what Dolly says about it too. They're like when people say, how do you feel about people taking our song? And she's like, it's, you know, it's just a completely, it's like I heard it for the first time. And they're in the movie, The Bodyguard, Kevin Costner plays Dolly's version on the jukebox. Mm. And, um, yeah. So. Yeah. Little cameo appearance in the movie, but yeah, a lot of people were first, especially like we're saying, you know, Nirvana and that. Like, this was the first Whitney Houston was the first time many people had heard that song, and mm. yeah, I, I do like it and I heard and I st just deep down think, oh, I like Dolly better, mm, yeah. Maybe it, I, um, I can sing along to Dolly better than I could ever sing along to Whitney oh, Houston. I know. Um, a credit again 
to Dolly and her humour, and um, I mentioned it earlier, but she says that she thanks Whitney, you know, this is the house that Whitney built because of the royalties that she got from yeah. when it went so massive for Whitney. Yeah, she like was the one that reaped weeks at the benefits. One. Yeah, it was huge back at, when it was released. Mm. Okay, moving on, guys, on to number four. Um, Jamie, if you want to talk about... Um, Here you come again. Here you come again, and here I go. Um, I really love this song. I this I think this would have been my number two. Um, Dolly didn't write this one. Someone this is another one that Dolly didn't write. Um, but this was her big effort to move from the country world into the mainstream world. It was her big pop intro, and I think she did a pretty good job. Um, I wouldn't know too many people that don't know this song. Um, and I think this sort of backs up what I was saying that the content matter of the song, it, it, it points to a woman who's downtrodden and innocent and easily taken advantage of, but we, um, as we've well established in this podcast, that is, that's not Dolly at all. So I think it's a, it's a bit of an act. Um, and I think, honestly, I think it's an act for males because they want to be that superhero that flies in there and saves that little lady. Um, so I think she does really well with these things. She's just really, really clever. Um, and the song itself, it, it's a beautiful song. And then it does a key change in halfway through the song and it, it just steps up another notch. It's just a really, really classic song. Um, massive on it, massive on it. Yeah, I love this song. This song is actually written by mm. Barry Manilow. There you go. Baz. sake, but yeah, Baz wrote this song. Does Barry Manilow know you read his wardrobe? Oh, oh, <laughs> this song was the one. <laughs> this song catapulted her into mainstream stardom. This was her, yeah, where she really delved into pop and mm. ruffled the country music fans' feathers. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, this is a beautiful song. I love this song. That's the second we... Manilow shout out on this podcast too. By the way, that's <laughs> one enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we all picked this song. Yeah, great song. And I think it was a successful jump from country to pop. Okay, on to number three. And uh, I've got this one and love this song. Nine to five. Um, we all picked this one as well. So nine to five um, came about through um, Dolly actually doing her first movie in 1980 with um, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Jane Fonda was the one who wanted Dolly in the movie. Dolly had never acted before, never taken lessons, um, completely, you know, brand new to it all, never been on a set. And um, uh, another interview I, I saw of her and she said that, she uh, memorised all of the script, the entire script memorised it and just goes to show her work ethic and, you know, wanting to be prepared and, and professional. She memorised the whole lot and then got there thinking it would be like a play and that you and realised that that's not what they do. Um, so because music and a part of the deal of saying yes to doing the movie was she said, well, I'll do the movie if I can write the theme song. Um, and she wrote the song whilst on set again because she'd already learnt her lines and um, by the sound of it it sounded like she found it be, being on a movie set frustrated so she said she would just walk around 
the set and she wears the wears her big long acrylic nails and she would just be doing her songs and rubbing her nails together for a beat and as they were um the movie was going on she started to come up with um words and she realized that her nails when she rubbed them together sounded like typewriters typewriting and the fact that the movie was based in the 80s or it was based in the 70s I think like the actual movie itself um and all about discrimination in the workplace for women um so she said her nails rubbing together sounded like a typewriter and that was the the beat of it and she apparently turned up on set one morning and, and said to the girls I've got the song written it's all done and they were just blown away she just started reeling it off and they knew it was going to be huge so um I think and it went on to be an anthem for you know um women working in America in the 80s it was still you know a lot of issues in the workplace with um what was was acceptable Jamie just going to say I think the song's far more memorable than the movie like um yeah like yeah. I, many people I remember the movie only just mm. but the song I know really well so um kudos again to Dolly she's one step ahead I think yeah the movie was pretty high grossing I think it was the second highest movie it just that's yeah that's where the movie was left but the song kept going and the song's still like if you listen to it now it's still like burning like hot issues for today yes. like you know women still go and do the same That's jobs right. as men get paid less face you know sexual harassment and yep. yeah so all these years later it's still crazy relevant yeah yeah um given that it was her first uh, movie she got huge praise for her acting people were saying that she was an absolute natural yeah. on stage and even writing that song she had never set foot in an office as a you know that she'd never had a job she had her job as music from such a young age and then to write a song that was so relatable to people doing it like again the talent of this lady that she could read the room and and just come up with it so quickly um she went on to um, get an Oscar nomination for that song in 1981 and she lost out to Fame, <laughs> the oh, song Fame, fine. which is heartbreaking because <laughs> nine to five is way better. And she she was asked to play that role too. She didn't go looking for a movie career. They um, Jane they, Fonda yep. um, just got it into her because, yeah, Jane Fonda was the producer and just got it into her head that um, I think she said like she had Dolly's song come on or something. And she was like, that's, you know, the secretary. She had the image of her and she was like, hang on, I've got this image. Why not have the real thing? And, yes. yeah, Dolly actually had to be talked into it. Yes. Yeah, and that was rare when Dolly said, well, I'll only do it if I can write the theme song. She didn't have the song as yet. So, yeah. Um, but then and from then on, she went on to do like nearly 20 movies. Um, and the bits that I've seen of her acting, like she is, she, you are drawn to her. She's just, she's got this natural charisma that you you can't help but sort of go to. Yeah, that's um, star quality. She really does, yeah. So, yeah, really great um, catchy song that, like you said, Kylie, still relevant now. So, Deserves yeah. that spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, on to number two, we've got uh, probably one of the, I would say, one of the best duets of all time. It's in my conversation, definitely. Oh, it's still great. So, Islands in the Stream. 
Oh, of course, God. you have to have a bit of um, Kenny with your dolly. Uh, it's <laughs> funny that this is sort of the only song that they did together because they actually toured together all, you know, countrywide. Mm. I think even internationally they went on tours together and it was always Kenny and Dolly uh, and yet they only had this song. Um, this song was written by the Bee Gees mm. and it was actually written just for Kenny and Kenny says that he was in the... Um, in the, you know, recording studio, recording. And he said, it just didn't sound right. And, you know, the Bee Gees, these great songwriters that had massive hits for everyone and he was doing their song and he's like, it just kept falling short and they couldn't put their finger on it. And he just, you know, it just came to him and he's like, I know what's missing. And he got on the phone and rang his good friend, Dolly, who this is the most astounding part of the story, just happened to be home. And he said, Dolly, could you come down to the studio? They both lived like, you know, in Nashville, she said, sure. She went down. He played her the song and she loved it. And he said, will you be part of it? And she said, I'd love to. And that's how Islands in the Stream was born. And another, like all the songs that we list, they're just, I just feel the overwhelming urge to sing them. Like yeah. five. <laughs> I think that's what really yeah. sounds like. You just want to sing these songs so badly. Couldn't <laughs> Bring agree me more a karaoke bar right now. <laughs> I totally on, agree. Break out. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> Me? <laughs> I usually do, so feel free. Um, <laughs> Baby, I, I prefer, when I met you, there was peace, I know. <laughs> I do prefer getting a superstar, the, the original, for this No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, really good saying what you were uh, saying about this song, Kylie. Can I jump in now? You can jump in. I see this song as the movie equivalent of... Robert De Niro meeting Al Pacino in Heat. I think it's just two heavyweights going at it. That's that's how I feel about this song. I don't think the battle. I don't think there's a bigger duet. I'm not saying it's the best duet song. I don't think mm. there's a, a bigger coming together of two star, stars, male female, to sing a song. Buggy, your Joe Cocker and your Captain and Tennille and Jennifer Warnes and all that. And no, these these are these are the two big heavyweights. That's how I feel about Islands in the Stream. Yeah, there's like a build-up to it. All the years they both ruled country and had all these big songs. It was like everyone was waiting for it and it wasn't even meant to be. Like it was just happened so coincidentally. And um, I was going to mention too, and it's something that seems to have particularly um, followed Dolly, because of her natural charisma and obviously this song and watching them sing it together, um, the rumour mill at the time was that they were together and that, that you know, they had such an amazing chemistry singing to each other and when you watch them, you can see why people kind of thought that, you know, staring in each other's eyes, um, you know, which is a, it, it is something that you don't really just do to any old person. But I reckon that, again, points to the professionalism um, of both of them, that they knew, like, they can do that and, and act the song acted out like they are singing this song to each other um but you know and that's everyone that dolly has sort of sung with she's been linked to and um yeah it's interesting that um that one again is another one that she was claimed to have had a, a relationship with but she didn't at all and um yeah great friendship and spent a lot of time together as in like touring and um yeah, it's a, it's such a good song. But when it's funny too when you were saying Jamie like powerhouses going at it. Um 
they sing it with such um, subtlety as well. Like they're, it's not like, you know, loud. It's Penny's voice complements Dolly's. Like hers is what you hear more. Mm. But, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's quite gentle but done so well. I think he's more the, the vegetables on the plate while she's the steak. <laughs> he's the meat and potatoes. <laughs> the bubble and squeak. He's, yeah, but he yeah. absolutely is a vital, like he'd be yeah, a potato. He's, he's setting her up and she's knocking yeah. her down, basically. Um, <laughs> can we say, do we all know our favourite duet of all time? I know mine. Do you guys know what your favourite duet would be? I know mine. I just love from the first moment I heard it and every time I hear it, Stop Dragging My Heart Around oh, by Tom cool. Petty oh, and Stevie Nicks. Good song. Uh, yeah. It's such a good duet. I actually first heard it on Rockwiz. You know they do a duet at the end and um, uh, I believe it was Paul Dempsey. Sorry, it wasn't. It was Tim Rogers. And I can't remember who the girl was. Did you just say, Jamie, do you know? Have you seen it? No, who are we thinking? Australian? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking Adelaide, but I don't think it was uh, um, I think it might I can't remember. I just heard it and thought, yeah, I'll have to look oh. it up. Um, but, yeah, I've seen it on that show and I'd sort of heard it before, but, it, yeah, it blew me away. So then um, I downloaded the song and the film clip and just couldn't get enough of it. It's just their voices and the lyrics and everything, it's just the best duet. Kim Rogers and Rebecca Barnard, does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Rebecca Barnard, I think, was um, Leo's bride. Is... No, no, she was... No, um... I'm wrong there. Not oh, Rebecca's Empire. Rebecca's Empire. Rebecca's Empire? Yes, Rebecca's yeah. Empire. Yeah, yeah, she's got a great voice. Yeah. That's a, the, what a um, choice. I didn't even think of that when I was, yeah. like, off the the top of my head thinking of duets that's a cracker again it's the subtlety it's quite a low-key song and I tend to always go for those songs and you guys touched on this um with Pearl Jam like Alive and the big power ballads I as soon as a song becomes that and everyone sings it like a typical example is um Blister in the Sun like I love Violent Femmes I hate that song like as soon as something becomes overstated or if it's a big power ballad I shy away from them when it's, you know, a song like that that sort of builds and has, yeah, just the subtlety but, like, such strong lyrics and strong vocals, I'm just drawn to it every time. I'm a sucker for it. I don't know if this isn't a duet where the lady in it doesn't do that much, but I think the bit that she does do is really important. But um, my favourite duet of all time is Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush um, when they do Don't Give Up, if you know that song. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah. Um, I love it for her her small part in it. And I love the he where the bridge in the song where he changes and he's standing on the bridge, whatever it is, and looking at the water down below. I think it's an incredible song. Like I thought you may have gone with uh <laughs> Summer Nights from uh the Greece. Dare um How dare you. What I had written down <laughs> <laughs> too hard to talk about. <laughs> It is actually not the bad duet, though. It's it's um, very believable. Uh, but the ones that I had written down that weren't necessarily, you know, all-time faves, but ones that I thought of when I think of a duet. So Sunny and Cher, obviously, um, I've Got You, Babe. Um, so iconic. It's, uh, it's such an old song, but um, 
I think it was, yeah, it was such a, a well-received song at the, at the time. Um, one that I do really like, Elton John and Kiki D, Don't mm. Go Breaking My Heart. <laughs> Love it. Cheesy mm. 80s pop. Um, and the other one that I had, so actually many, the other two, I had one. Too many overalls in that film clip for my liking. Too many <laughs> yeah. It's a bit too well, I was going to say, me. my... Um, kind of similar to that era but not so much a good duet was um I didn't think it was a good duet Mick Jagger and David Bowie doing dancing oh. in the street you'd oh. think it should have worked on paper but it yeah. is horrendous it, and the film clip where they are oh. actually dancing on the street like white man can't dance and white man <laughs> white men can't dress they've got these huge shirts baggy shirts on oh. just flopping about like really awkward it's like two corpses yeah. it's like with turn of the walking dead or something <laughs> So Did no one, but maybe they were so rich and famous that no one told them. Like all the people behind the production were just like, oh, are you going to tell Great. them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling them. You tell them. Fuck oh. it. No one is going to tell them. Let's just say we're done. We've got what we need and we're out. Um, the other one I had was Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. So Bowie redeemed himself with that one. Yeah. I know that one like was him. first, but. That's a great song. It's and that's two powerhouses going at it and succeeding, whereas Mick and, and Bowie going at it was just disastrous. So yeah. they were my duets that I had written down. I have a bit of a thing where I like to ask uh, most people at some stage what their queen favorite Queen song is, and I find I can put people into categories depending on their answer. And I'd say Under Pressure is the highest. Like you know, you'd think maybe it'd be Bohemian Rhapsody, but most people's answers is under pressure and as soon as they say that I think yeah you're all right I don't mind you <laughs> I don't know if we've got them on our list of future potties but um I'm just thinking of for that question um answer without notice yes. I reckon I'd be like fat bottom girls or something random like that oh, for nice me. yeah yeah I like the random I think we've just said my top two if we were allowed <laughs> to have under pressure I'd probably have under pressure under but, pressure um, and fat bottom girls probably be my number two yeah, um, such a good song. I just like Another One Bites the Dust, which is mm. quite – all their songs are so different. I think that's why I like that question because so many bands sound the same. That and the Beatles are like asking people, you know, yeah. some people like their older stuff, their newer stuff. But, um, yeah, you get a diverse range, but everyone seems to love Under Pressure. Mm, yeah. On to the big dog. On to number Darling. one. Number one for Dolly Parton. What could it be? <laughs> None other than the most famous song that she probably has written, and she also loves this song herself, and it is. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Jolene. Did we all want to have a talk about this? Oh, good God, yes. Uh, I don't know where to begin. It's... It's a triple hook. I'll, I'll start because I'll finish quicker than you guys. Um, it's a triple hook. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got one snort. <laughs> one snort a show, Smarty. That's all you get. <laughs> She's a snorter. Uh, um, the riff, the riff is the first hook, that first riff that just sucks you in, I reckon. The chorus at the start of the song, Master Stroke. And number three, like with any good country song, the story. The story is awesome. Um, 
that's musically what I love about it. I'll talk, I'll might talk a little bit about the story a little bit later because I'm sure you guys have got a lot to talk about about the story as well, have you? Yeah, I yep. think we've all got. Okay, the same I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you say what you love about Jolene. <laughs> Kylie, tell us what oh, you yeah, think of Jolene. Uh, Jolene, Jolene, um, Jolene. Yeah, it's typically like I was saying before, you just want to sing it. Like I can't hear the word Jolene in my head. Like I only sing it in my head and it's so hard to not just belt it out. So, yeah, as Jamie said, like it's that guitar riff from the start and then you straight into the chorus and you're just hooked right from the beginning and it's like what the hell is this song? That one word over and over and over everyone can sing to. Uh, the story of Jolene... I think Jamie wants to tell. So I'm just going to say, as Dolly has said, and like with a lot of her songs, everyone has a Jolene or she even says a Joe, you know, that man or that woman that makes you feel um, inferior. You know, someone's better than me. Someone's going to take my man. Um, competition. Competition. Jealousy. Yep. And as soon as the song has like, yeah, that, you know, everyone has that same like resonance with it, then people instantly like it. So you just look at Dolly and think she's beautiful and here's this woman better than her that she's, and it makes her human. But yeah, for me, it's just like the lyrics, I could easily understand how you could easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Jolene. Like you just feel like pleading at yourself. Like, it's, it's oh, desperate. Yeah, the yeah, desperation, like she's just stripping everything away. It's bare. Um, it's and coming yeah, from, at it from another angle though too, isn't it? Like I like that it's not, I'm going to get you, you... Duh, duh, duh. it's like she's coming at it from a different angle of please you don't know what he means to me like he may love you too but for me he is he's you know he's it yeah. like instead of it being you know like how dare you duh, 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 I, it's just I like how it's a different view on it yeah yeah you don't often hear like when someone's got like you know someone else chasing she realizes her man, that like, she has no power so she's, she's powerless pleading or begging yeah, because he talks hear, about um, her in his sleep. Yeah. So she knows that she's on his she mind. Do, to keep. do you guys yeah, have an image of Jolene? Saying, yeah, Rita Hayworth. Okay. In Gilda. Full-time actress. I base, do you know Amy Adams? Yeah. yeah. That's who I sort of get an image of, like yeah. Jolene. Yeah. Explain, Jane. And she, it's meant to be a true story. It's meant to be based on a true story that her husband was going to the bank and spending a lot of time at the bank. And there was a lady who worked there with auburn hair and she was onto it because he was forever off going to the bank. There, there is a photo of Jolene on the internet. Um, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> there's not all that in a bag of chips, to be honest. Surely it can't but be it makes real. Sense. How could they document who the real Jolene is? I yeah. guess it goes to show that, you know, um, Dolly would have been out on the road all the time and if her husband wasn't coming along to these things, they would have led quite a separate life for a good part of the time. Yeah, it would have been He was probably just happy to get a bit of attention mm. if and he was home. she was and... getting a lot of attention. A bit of Auburn strange, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> strange mange. Chins, <laughs> So, Dolly... <laughs> In the minge. <laughs> yeah, so Dolly has said, um, that, yeah, it took place in a bank mm. where she's like, everyone knows that, you know, redhead hussy that was paying her man too much attention um, and she didn't take well to that. So she said she fought that. I don't know. This is, I can't imagine Dolly fighting. 
I no. like to imagine it, but she says she fought that woman like a wild cat. The woman ripped Dolly's wig off and almost beat her to death with it. She said, but in the end, I kept my husband and I almost beat the tar out of him. And I mm. like that ending because he had his role and it's not just Jolene's fault. He's playing his role in this as well. So he's got to be accountable too. Amazing that she knew. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a, but you it's know, don't a... you? Well, you know, you know, you know when someone's treading on your feet and you get that um, instinctive. Yeah. Woman's yeah. intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, given the fact that she's so open and honest about how she's a, she says I'm a terrible flirt, but then goes on to say she's never um, acted on anything, but would have been really hard for him to, like, it, yeah. But they've obviously, I mean, they're still married. They've been married for 50-odd years. They've obviously um, have got a good understanding. Understanding. Yeah. And trust and I would actually yeah. like them to both come out and say we had an open marriage. Like <laughs> that would make more sense to me, but I guess that's not that conventional for everyone or for that day and age. I guess, yeah, maybe it just worked for them. Yeah. It's it's the I mean that she... he didn't go to her concerts. Like they say they never seen him at one concert. All the time she was on the road, he never joined her. And mm. Yeah, well, that all came about, I think she said he went to one music awards show in the late 60s with her and came away from it going, please don't make me have to do that again. So (laughs) don't make me sit through this shit again. But isn't that every (laughs) husband's role? Don't they walk away from everything saying, please don't ever make me do this? Like, (laughs) no, you're coming again on Wednesday night to the parent teachers and on Sunday night you're doing this. And like, he must have some balls. (laughs) If he can stand up to Dolly and say, I'm not coming to any of your shit ever again, then he's got some big balls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she said yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's what, probably why they. And she, I've heard her joke about that too. She's like, "We worked because we've hardly been together." <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's actually how the best ones do work. Yeah, um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Just a note on um, on this song too. It's been covered by a lot of people, and um, obviously we did the White Stripes in our last potty, and um, they covered it. And Dolly had made a comment saying she thought they did it really well. But then she went on to say, no one has covered it like um, Whitney has done, I Will Always Love You. And she said she would love for Beyonce to sing this song. Beyonce to sing Jolene. Yep. Yeah, I could see that actually. And apparently Beyonce's had that Jolene in her life with all this. Oh, gosh, yeah. Stuff that went down a few years ago. Becky with the good hair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to, all this gossip. Listen to all this gossip. It really is ladies' night now. <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> oh, she went there. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Please don't date my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was going to say we got through the 10, just like we that. Did. Nicely done. Thoughts and feelings. How, yeah, how do we feel? I know, Kylie, you said you had I Will Always Love You as your number one. What was your na- number one, Jamie? My number one was Jolene. Yeah. 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 Yours was Smutty? Yeah, mine was Jolene. Yeah. Never stood a chance. Um, mm. Top five, yeah. I, th- I think it worked out the way it was going to work out. Like I had no idea what was going to come after five. Uh, mm. the, the, I think the, the top five were pretty much a lock. Kylie, your um, I Will Always Love You, all it takes in this count is for one person to not put it in their 10 and it suffers greatly for it. And that's oh, all yeah. Um, Who was it? Oh, What's their address? Danny Goodrum. 
Yeah, then <laughs> I'm glad he's got coronavirus. <laughs> Could yeah. we all come away saying like we all have a newfound respect for Dolly and I think maybe even oh. listeners will have a newfound respect like as a personality, yeah. songwriter, musician. How yeah. she plays guitar with those really long nails, I still will never understand. Yeah. yeah. She actually has a certain technique. I've read about that too, that um, it's the way that she tunes the guitar to allow for the... The nails. The nails. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just that interfere with the other strings. Oh. Yeah. Well, she tunes it so that it's it. Yeah, it compensates. Interesting. And she does that. Um. Oh, it's that bluegrass where they actually pick, uh, with their fingernails, sort of almost on both ends, perhaps. So come come in handy there. Mm. Mm. I, I think if we had to watch the documentaries first, the top ten would probably look different. But I don't. I don't think I see the top five looking any different. Nah, really. nah, that no, no, no. But yeah, maybe the the last five I think could easily chop and change. She's just got so much charisma. She is honestly a star right from the get go. Mm. Um, watching her early um, TV appearances, um, she's just got it right from the start, and it just seems now like she's. Just Still so generous of her time and um, honest with her um, answers, and she, you just love to know her. She's just, mm-hmm. um, she's a fantastic lady. A lot of respect for her. Just yeah, so much mystery, and then. But then you know her so well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just to recap our countdown for Dolly Parton um, in today's podcast. So number 10, we had Yellow Roses. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Baby on Burning. Number eight, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Coat of Many Colours. At six, we had Dumb Blonde. Number five, I Will Always Love You. Four, Here You Come Again. Three, Nine to Five. Number two, Islands in the Stream. And number one, Jolene. Mm-hmm. Um, Smarty, just with the social groups. Well, can you um, tell us about that? Yep, you've got the Facebook group. Yes. Um, we've got the Facebook page and we've also got our Instagram group. Get on it. And let us know, after you've listened to our podcast today about Dolly Parton, let us know on our Facebook page or Instagram who your favourite cover uh, song or what your favourite cover song is or your favourite duet. Love to hear it. Love yes. the participation. I think ours are pretty solid. I'd be, be hard-pressed to beat those, I think. But if <laughs> you've got something, give it to us. Give it to us. Do you, got um, any shout-outs for us, Jamie? Shout-outs? Um, of course, Mr Franklin. Um, get well. Danny Delta. Yeah, re- recover uh, from uh, that uh, awful strain that you'd have there. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Barry Manilow for appearing so many times in our shows for God knows what reason. We'll we'll do a Barry Manilow <laughs> show one day, I'm sure. Um, uh, to the Dolly World Carnies, uh, all the best to them. <laughs> and member number six of the Facebook group is the ever-important Carly Langdon. Shout out to Carly. Uh, big love. The Yurunga Crips Ooh. sends their best to Danny Delta, Goodrum, Franklin. Who sends that? The Yurunga Crips. Oh, they do, yes. <laughs> They're guarding you. They're drinking out there on his front porch, just waiting for him to get better. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about um, our next podcast, Marty. What's that? No. 
it, uh, it it's huge, um, but also pint-sized. Oh, um, is it huge like um, big hair like they would have in the 80s? Sometimes, <laughs> and it's uh, very much one colour and at times symbolic. Symbolic. Um, would that one colour make me sexually frustrated? <laughs> <laughs> that one colour is uh, actually uh, also the symbol for the um, LGBT etc. community. So there is a huge clue to uh, our next yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's getting very frilly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's way too many clues, isn't it? Um, so heading back to the 80s, looking forward to that. Um, what a weird, weird time the 80s was. Can't wait to explore that. Well, guys, thank you so much for your insight and your comments on Dolly Parton today. And Kylie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've done a fantastic job coming on in as your first um, potty and I'm sure it won't be your last. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I've had a ball. Thank you for having me. And Thanks. I think we could all say now we're bona fide Dolly Parton yeah. uh, aficionados. Doctors. Dolly Doctors. Dolly Doctors. I would definitely see her. If she came to Australia, I would definitely go and see her now. Yeah. yeah. We should go on hard quiz with uh, yeah. Dolly Parton. We have a PhD in Dolly. <laughs> in Dolly, yeah. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Uh, well, th thank you, Kylie. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you to you, Jamie, for letting me host. And uh, let me just say that uh, I cannot wait to have you back home. <laughs> <laughs> it is not my natural habitat to, uh, to lead. I am... I am a great passenger. So that's what I've learned from today's hosting duties. <laughs> uh, but it has kept me um, a little bit better behaved than the past one. So there is a, a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? Should we, um, how are we going to take the people out? How do we give the people what they want, Smarty, on Dolly? I think we I think we need to go back to our roots and um, just keep it simple and uh, do what Dolly would have done herself. Have you got anything in mind? Wow. What if I just did this? Jolene. 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 I'm begging on you, please. Oh, no. Jeez, that was hitting the high notes for me. Yeah, Dolly's pretty safe. Well, that was more of a mildly version, that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, very good.